Hello, Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell listeners. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, said she's seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health. Their food! What she discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true even for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. This worked amazingly for our dogs Shazam, Astro, and Brandy. We are noticing more energy, healthier skin and coat, just looking and acting younger. They love it. If you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to BadlandsFood.com forward slash Jimmy and Ron and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D.com forward slash Jimmy and Ron. The following show contains adult content. It's not our intent to offend anyone, but we want to inform you that if you are a child under the age of 18 or get offended easily, this next show may not be for you. The content, opinions, and subject matter of these shows are solely the choice of your show hosts and their guests, and not those of the Entertainment Network or any affiliated stations. Any comments or inquiries should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for listening. With Ron Russell, bringing you the good times in music, fashion, pop culture, and entertainment. Hope everybody's doing good. I just joined the chat room, you guys. I'm sorry. I guess I had to refresh the page because, like, all you guys are there, and I was writing, where is everybody? (laughs) So, I'm going in and out again. Before we get started, let me introduce my cool, outrageous man about town co-host, Mr. Ron Russell. I'm too busy making out with Astro. (laughs) Astro gives big kisses. Give me kisses. I love this dog so much. Okay, folks, how are you all? Hope everybody's hope helping other people. That's what I'm all about this week. I'm about um, uh, suicide. Uh, a very good friend of ours lost somebody through a suicide, and it, uh, uh, it made my eyes open, and it made me real. Did you know that? Angela Joseph, one of her relatives, committed yes, I suicide. Knew that. Uh, I guess the, the pandemic and the shut-in got to that person. I don't know if it was a man or a woman. I don't remember. Uh, it was her brother. No. It was Angela Joseph's brother? Yes. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. I didn't know that was public information. <laughs> well, not, now it is. well, it's nothing that should be hidden because it's a serious issue. And I write about it on Facebook. People are killing themselves, committing suicide because they're losing their homes, getting kicked out of apartments. Some have no haven't any money to buy food because no one's working. There's no salaries coming in. How do you expect people to live? 
and a lot of them don't qualify for welfare because they own they own a home or they make too much money. I don't know what the hell it's all about. But we have a very major thing going on in our country. This is worse than the crash of 29. At least in the crash of 29, they sold apples on the street. Here you can't even do that because you sell apples, you get a drive-by shooter. So people are afraid. They're afraid of what's going on with the violence, with the smashing, the burning, the killing, the shooting. It's a serious, serious issue. It's depressing many, many people. Millions of people all over the world are in the same boat, kiddo. It's not like, you know, except for the super rich. The super rich, they couldn't care less because they're happy. They're rich. They don't have to worry about mortgages or salaries or uh, paying the rent. I mean, I heard stories where people's gas and electric were turned off. What kind of country do we live in? Yeah, people getting evicted. I know that because of a good friend of ours owns millions of, not millions, he owns many, many apartment houses in Soho, New York. And his tenants can't pay the rent. And you can't throw them out. But the landlords have to pay taxes and the taxes on New York Mortgages. Well, the taxes alone on New York City apartment houses are a fortune. Now heating is coming in. They have to pay for the oil. Where do these people get the money from? So we are in a very serious way. And I think that we should open everything up and let everybody take a chance. And wear a mask. And wear a mask. And if it's your number is up and it's your time to go, you're going to go no matter what. If it's from the virus, a car crash, or from a heart attack, it's all preordained, I believe. But doing this to our country is disgusting and destructive, and it has to stop. We need to open everything up again and wear masks and keep our distances and and disinfect and wash your hands and do everything they say. This virus will definitely go away mysteriously. The way it came, it will go away mysteriously. Trust me. Too many people feel the same as I do. But in the meantime, we have to support those out there mentally that are suffering. They don't sleep at night. They lay in bed all night long worrying. Where am I going to get money from? My kids aren't going to school. My kids are home. They're not learning. My kids are getting nuts because they're not learning how to play with their friends. And they can't play with their friends without a mask, which is ridiculous. Children cannot be children anymore. They're becoming adults wearing masks. And the children are being damaged because they're worrying about the virus. And young people should be happy. They should be out there playing and having fun like I did. But they're not. They know too much. They're afraid that if they go out, the virus will kill them. What a way to live. So when I write on Facebook how much I care about people and and how I wish that people could survive this horrible epidemic It's not because, like I wrote this morning, I'm goody-goody two-shoes. I'm certainly not goody-goody two-shoes, as all of you know. But I do tell tell it like it is, and I'm honest and I'm frank. Our country is fucked, fucked big time. I don't think Trump is at fault. I don't think anybody's at fault. I think the virus is at fault. If we got rid of the virus and opened up, we could get back to being who we are. Anyway, that's my whole fight uh, for the day. You know, it's sad that I can't believe that it was Angie's brother. I thought it was. She just said relative. She never said Angie. Condolence. Yeah, she's in the chat room. So we let's Angie, 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 my sweet love, who I love so much. 
I'm so sorry that you lost your brother. I cannot believe it. I can't believe it, Angie. Anyway, we all have to get together. Sending love and condolences. No, we all have to get together and get out there and write on Facebook. Please don't commit suicide. Please, please. It will be over soon. Life looks bad now. It's always darkest before the storm, as they say. But it gets light again. It gets bright again. Trust me. Believe in me. Believe in everybody that believes in positive thinking. Negative thinking will destroy you. Think positively, and life is wonderful. So we want to say hi to everybody in the chat room. Send in love, Angie. Anton Country Super is in the chat room from Australia. Dave Hughes from the UK. Teresa Sabins in Florida. Backpack John is in the mountains someplace. Uh, Lady Lake Music is in there. Don Hinton is in there, which, by the way, um, uh, Ron wore a different watch for you today. I have a watch on for you. It's my Mighty Mouse watch. I wish we could Hang get on, it. you have to go up there. I don't, have to, I, mean, I don't want to take it off. Cause just, just, I mean, wait a minute. If we could see it, I don't know that you <laughs> – I can't bend my wrist. Anyway, it's Mighty Ma- Mouse. Mighty Mouse. It's an early 1960s vintage collectible watch. The story behind it is Jimmy and I were in Pennsylvania at a, a swap meet or a junk meet. You know, those places you go and you buy junk for a buck. And a guy was selling it in the box brand new for $5. And I looked at him and I said, excuse me, sir, but do you realize what you have here? This wristwatch is worth far more than $5. He said, yeah, but nobody wants it. So I'm selling it for 5 bucks." I said, are you sure you want to sell me this wristwatch for $5? He said, Absolutely. I said, it could be worth hundreds of dollars. He said, oh, I don't think so. He said, it's it's just a kid's. Anyway, he was very, very annoyed with the fact that I was questioning the wristwatch. So I said to myself, you know what? Screw him. And Jimmy, right away, before I had a chance, whipped out the five bucks. (laughs) And we bought it. It's worth maybe close to $1,000, if not more. I have never had it appraised, but it's the original Mighty Mouse wristwatch. So also, I'm, wearing, I'm wearing that. Now, on this wrist, I'm wearing this wonderful three-piece leather bracelet that Hub Reynolds did and his girlfriend Tracy did. Uh, they are selling these beautiful bracelets and cowboy hats. Yeah, so, we have cowboy hats, So too. if you go on their web, it has the Star of Texas. It is so cool. I love it. And everybody loves it when I wear it. I wear it with jeans and a ripped shirt, and I look terrific. And then you have on? I have on vintage Jimmy Starr. Me too. This is all comic book heroes. Cam- Captain America. It's oh, all Cap- Captain America. Captain Amer- I don't know. Who knows what they are? They're so busy looking. And mine's anyway, a tattoo print. It's funny. Grape caught in my So also, you guys, Eileen Shapiro's in the chat room. Hello, hello. And for anybody in New York, New Jersey, or I don't know, whatever the tri-state is. I don't know what the third state is in the tri-state. What's well, the I'm not state? telling you. The, the tri-state is New York, New Jersey. And uh, I think uh, Pennsylvania. Well, anyway, if you're in the if you're in the tri-state area, Saturday night, 11 p.m. Channel 25. Eileen Shapiro is on the Mickey Burns show. Uh, it's going to be awesome. It's fabulous, and uh, I think everybody will like uh, love the interview and, and, and with Eileen her. Eileen told us just two days ago that she got the flu shot, and she's not dead. That she survived the flu shot. So everybody out there that's so worried about the flu shot, go get a flu shot. It can help you this coming fall with the uh, with a virus, a flu. I don't mean the uh, coronavirus. I mean a flu virus. It's not one. You know. Ugh. 
We also want to say hi to uh, Thomas Claxton is in the chat room. Hope hey, you're recovering Tommy, well. Lance you? Wagner is in the chat room from the Indie Brigade. Hey, Lance. Hey, baby. <laughs> um, hold on. I got to get a drink. Talk. You see how he pushes me around? Talk, don't talk, <laughs> do, get up, go. I mean, talk about a controlling freak. <laughs> Anybody? Oh, wait, there? we didn't talk about who's on our show today. So, you guys, we got a great show today. It's going to be a lot of fun. You're going on and off. I don't Stop know why. Moving. Okay. Your wire. And, uh, You're so cheap. You should get new wires, new and equipment. We have uh, George Cameron Romero coming on, you guys, from the Indie Brigade. We also have Kenny Lee Lewis from the Steve Miller Band, one of the greatest bands of all time. Um, should be a lot of fun. And uh, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a blast. If you don't go in and out. I don't know why it's doing that. Because you're cheap and the wires are old and the equipment stinks. It's not old. I told you, this equipment is from like days of Jack Benny show or Bob It's Hope. because we spilt the Coke all over the no, board. No, I didn't spill it. You did. Don't say we <laughs> spilled it. See, this fucking maricon, what he does right away, he puts me in on all the bad stuff. Hey, Samantha's in the chat room. Hello, Samantha. Hello, Samantha. How's you, are you a witch? <laughs> <laughs> Also, um, uh, you guys, we were going to have we uh, we want to like say that we had another guest scheduled for today and we're going to be rescheduling to uh, scheduling him because he actually got called in. He's on that TV show, Snowpiercer, Imagine which is a going great to, show. Somebody's going to work. I can't believe it. It's wonderful. and uh, his name is Alex Ponovic and he'll be coming back another time. You guys. So for anybody who uh, saw the promo, we put it out. I, I didn't take it down because I put it out a week ago. Um, but right. now we've got two other fabulous guests, George Romero and Kenny Lee Lewis. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, and Hub is in the chat room. Hub, we just talked about you. Hey, Hub, what's your website? Hubby, look, your bracelet that you and Tracy made. I'm wearing it, and I'm telling people they should buy them. They're stunningly beautiful. No matter where I go, I wear these with jeans, cowboy boots, and a sloppy shirt and the cowboy hat. I look like a slob that's pulling cattle out of a field. But I love that look. It's very Ralph Lauren. And when I wear you a beautiful bracelet that's made of three pieces of leather, a gold suede, a brown leather, and a deep, dark brown leather, and the star of Texas is in it. So if you're a Texan like Sherry Davis, you should own this bracelet. I don't know what it costs because you sent it to me as a gift. But everybody, go to his website and he and Tracy are designing beautiful cowboy. Actually, he says they're all sold out right now. Well, too fucking And bad. that they make, love us. Make more. <laughs> you, know, you know, that's your problem, baby. I'm just pushing your bracelet. Make more. What do you mean you're sold out? Get out there. Get Tracy. Get a whip. Whip her. You got to like her love it. Anyway, they're wonderful bracelets. They're conversation <laughs> pieces. And if, you know, like you girls, you're looking for boyfriends, you go out wearing this bracelet. You're at a bar guy's going to come over. It's a good excuse. Hey, man, I love your bracelet. Where'd you get it? And then you say, I'm single. I'm looking for a husband. And then you tell him about the bracelet. Rub says, and Hub says he's finishing his screenplay. Well, get <clears throat> it out there, baby. There you go. Also, oh, I was going to say something and now I forgot. Oh, my That's God. I'm old getting demented. old. All demented, broken down. I am. Oh, my gosh. That's so terrible. It's too much sugar. <laughs> You eat too much sugar. I read all about it. Sugar makes you demented. It makes you senile. It makes you stupid. There you go. You and gotta that's like love what it. What happened to you? Which, by the way, um, I'm um, uh, I'm I'm having a knee replacement. You guys, in a few weeks, I went to the doctor. I have to get a knee replacement. I want to do it now while I've got good insurance, and uh, so I'm getting it done. And Ron's getting his other cataract done tomorrow. Tomorrow, this eye. 
so I'll be wearing glasses next week. Jimmy failed to tell you that he had an abortion and it scarred him. So he's going in to have <laughs> uterus replacements. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, did we say hi to B or no? Hey, B, hey, B in B. Germany, what's up? What's up, baby doll? There you go. There you go. You know, I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about it because it sounds like we're narcissistic or bragging. Okay. But should we talk about the you know what? Yeah, we can tell. You can tell everybody. What am I going to tell them? You're going to tell everybody that the Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell was named the number one web show, radio show, slash podcast uh, in the world by the New York Weekly Times and the Los Angeles Weekly Times. We came in number one. Joe Rogan was number two. Even though he like makes $25 million, he's not as, as entertaining as us, according to their editors, because it's their editors. So who if you're a sponsor, sponsor us so we could get someone to dough that that guy gets. Yeah, because he makes $25 million. <laughs> I'd, be happy with, I'd be happy with $25 a week. That's right. No, not 25. We want a little bit more than 25 that. 25 is better than zero, baby. <laughs> That's true. It's $100 a <clears throat> month. $100 a month. I could do nothing with, but <laughs> we want to thank everybody in the chat room too, who always show you guys show up so uh, so fabulous every time. It's great, so thank Did, you so didn't much. Did we beat out Howard Stern? Yeah, we beat out Howard Stern. Imagine, I met Howard Stern a million years ago on Long Island. My ex partner was involved in a restaurant called La Parma on Long Island, and uh, Howard used to go to the restaurant, but he used to go into the kitchen. And had a table very close to the kitchen because he was afraid people would notice him. Oh, unfortunately, nobody noticed him. So he could have really sat out in the street with a spotlight on him. I also I have an announcement, you guys, from Dean K. Piper, who also his show, The Pipe Man Show, was on the top. I think he was like number five or six on the list. Um, but we got a new uh, announcement from him. He says, I just got this announcement right now. So we, we're the first show on W4C Ride Radio to tell anybody about it. But... Amazon Music has just launched podcasts right this moment, and due to the W4C's wise partnership with Amazon, all of our podcasts, including the Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell, are now on Amazon Music, and it just went live right now. So congratulations to us and, and W4CY. You know, it's, oh, our guest is here too. It, it's amazing. We're all over the place. We're so famous. We're written up. We do millions of interviews, and we don't make any money. I think there's something wrong with you. I mean, I'm, something's wrong with me. Nine years I've been working on your show for free. But I think there's something wrong with you that you don't make any money on this show. This is all freebie time, folks. That's okay. Hello, hello. Do you hey. for free? Oh, you got to make it. You got to oh, uh, me to take the hat off or do you got another light you can throw on? You're a little dark. Oh, this is my space. Is- <laughs> <laughs> I'm not known for my bright and cheery world, Jimmy. Oh, that's okay. No, to pull your hat off. Yeah, Let's but, see if we can but, see oh, better with the hat. I can't do that either. My hair's a mess. You don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> but the people out there want to see what you look like. So don't you have a light bulb? <laughs> How are you guys? There you go. There uh, you that, go. That's, that's better. Take uh, that. Yeah, there we go. That's better. Much better. So introduce me. I'm excited. Okay, everybody. Now we want to welcome to the Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell. Uh, the legendary George C. Romero, son of legendary director George A. Romero, host of the Indie Brigade, movie producer, director, total badass, and hello and welcome to the show. We're very happy to have you. Thank you, guys. I'm thrilled to be here with you both. Uh, bet, and you I know bet, what? What is are. it going to take for you to travel around with me and introduce me everywhere? <laughs> yeah. right. was, that, was that some bullshit? Or what? <laughs> anyway, listen to this. I don't bullshit anybody. 
swear to God on this one, in case you think I'm full of shit, forget about it. I'm not. We watched Night of the Living Dead a week ago because Jimmy had never seen the original. That's what I, he was saying. I said I saw the original in 1958 or 59. No, 68. Six, anyway, it came on television in the 60s. And I remember being with Sal, my ex, my deceased partner, and the both of us were watching that movie. Remember now, no one had ever seen a zombie. No, except for the black guys that used to walk around with the white eyeballs. You know, they used to walk like morons. Anyway, nobody ever saw anyone devouring, eating flesh. No one had ever seen anything like Night of the Living Dead. I have never been frightened by any other movie since Night of the Living Dead. Now I look at it and I'm used to it because I'm, what's the word, numb? Because I see heads rolling, people blowing up. It's no big deal anymore. <laughs> but when your dad did that film, he had a vision that was incredible. I believe the film cost 65000 to make. Uh, somewhere like that. I think it translates in modern day to just a little over 100000 um, right. in modern dollars. So, I mean, it was unheard of what they did back then. I mean, him and a work of genius. Your dad was a genius to have produced that film, to have the vision to make people come up from the grave because of something happening in the outer space and devouring humans. I thought it was a brilliant piece of work. He was afraid of it. I was very afraid of it. And which, by the way, I didn't introduce you. This is Ron. (laughs) Fuck fuck you and your introductions. Hey, Ron. It's nice to meet you. We're Facebook friends. It's really nice to meet you formally. Yeah, he's he's like a fucking introduction freak. All he wants to do is these big introductions. I like introductions because when we send the show out on Comcast and other places, I got to have an introduction. Meanwhile, nobody gives a shit who I am. Nobody gives a fuck who I am. They want to hear what we have to say. And his dad was good. Now, listen to me. No smoke up your ass either, buddy. Your stuff is good. So what is it? Inherited gene or did you learn from dad? Or what is it all about? The apple didn't far fall from the tree. Absolutely not, because your, your <laughs> stuff is weird shit. You have some weird shit out there. <laughs> I mean, really fucked up mentality. You must have been nuts when you wrote them. You had to have been, like, freaking out. I mean, it's got to be mental, Ill- mental illness. You have to have a little. <laughs> you, you, no, really, your movies are really grossing people out. I, I mean, love them. They are Spookola. Thank you very much. Thank you. That means a lot to me. I'll tell you, you know, it's funny. My dad is obviously, everybody knows who my dad was, is, was. Um, God rest his soul. But, um, you know, my mom was uh, one of the first female vice presidents of an advertising agency in the United States. And that's how they met. And he was doing tourism films for the state of Pennsylvania when they met. And so I had my dad, who was this art filmmaker, and my mom, who was this commercial, like, this uh you know this monster in corporate america um back then in in the ad world so i'm sort of a combination of of an ad man and a and a and an artist and so i think um i think i was doomed uh (laughs) (laughs) you know neither of them really wanted me to go into this life my mom wanted me to be an accountant uh, I'm sorry. Ugh. Can you imagine coming to me for your taxes? Oh, like, what the Please, fuck? Are you kidding? I know. My mom and dad wanted me to be an accountant too. I even have a degree. My, it, like... my mother, my mother was an actress. My mother was a silent movie actress, and she used to say to me, "Ronnie, you want to be an actor? You starve. Go work for the New York City, you know, dig ditches because you have very good benefits. When you're 50, you can retire if you're a ditch digger. Fuck you, ma. Ditch, <laughs> ditch digger. 
mean, couldn't you make me out? So I became a hairdresser. My father had a nervous breakdown. <laughs> he said, oh, you think my son is gay. Hold on real quick, too. We have a chat room filled with people right now. We have uh, Germany. Let's see. We have Germany, Australia, England, Canada, United States. Just say hi to everybody in the chat room. Hey, everybody in the chat room. Where is the chat room? How do I see? Can I see the chat room? No. I, uh, yeah, I think so. Oh, okay. I I think if you go to comments, do you have a little bar next to the side? It says yeah, comments. comments no. that's, your, okay. comment. that's our chat room. And then if you hit private chat, that's when a uh, rebel who sends us messages like. And I'm not going to brag, but I am going to brag. Four and a half, four point five million or better are watching us now. Also, not yet. In syndication. Well, in syndication. <laughs> also, Jimmy and I were voted the number one show in the world podcast show. We beat out Howard Stern and who else? What's um, the other guy's name? Oh, Joe Rogan. Joe yeah. Rogan. And fucking Joe Rogan makes like 30 million. 25. 25 million a year. And Jimmy and I make shit. <laughs> that's not true. You guys get paid in good feelings in the. In the yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Just, good, just like you. You can shove good feelings you know where. <laughs> <laughs> I would like a Tesla car, all electric. <laughs> you know, you well, and congratulations on the Amazon thing. That's big news. Oh, yeah. yeah. He just heard that. So that yeah. just happened you know now. What? So you'll have to get on there, too. But wait yeah. a minute. Can you help us figure out how come we don't make any money? Actually, we're, he's... we're like diarrhea. We're all over the place. I, we don't I do mean... the Indie Brigade for any money. I mean, we don't, you know, everybody who does the Indie Brigade, we we donate our time and and we do it for, you know, I mean. It's look, I think um, where we come from with the indie brigade is we're just out there trying to help people. And with the veterans, compound, we we're just we out there all. trying to help people. Wait and, a second. Hold on. Because no, let's let's say let's talk about it. No, a lot of our people do not know what the I know what it is because I was a guest and I'm a friend of yours. So I know what it is. But why don't you tell people what the indie brigade is and then tell people how they watch it? And that way we can get a good proper plug for it. Sure. Yeah. The Indie Brigade actually is this, uh, it's, well, it's, it's become kind of a monster and, uh, and it's probably one of the best things I've ever, I've ever done or been a part of in my life. Uh, yeah, you know, there's a guy named Joe Ridgely, uh, Jimmy, you hey, know, Joe, Joe. Hey, Joe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he came to me and asked me if I want to do a podcast. And I said, well, you know, maybe I, what am I going to do? I'm going to, I thought I was going to be sitting in the corner of the internet crying in my soup or something. And, uh, <laughs> You know, so we did a couple episodes and, and I, I talked to a good buddy of mine who was on your show, uh, Richard Greco, and he, he is the oh, one who, yeah, he's cool the guy. one who convinced me actually to do it. And um, so uh, we, we set out and we started this little podcast and then uh, we relaunched earlier this year in January. I rebranded Romero Pictures and rebranded the Indie Brigade with the goal of moving everything forward into the next hundred years of Romero. And um, and the Indie Brigade has become a full blown podcast network. We just added our tenth show, uh, and the Indie Brigade is a place for filmmakers. Um, I don't want to even say first and foremost, but it's a place for filmmakers, artists, creatives, writers, uh, authors, painters, uh, singer songwriters, musicians, whatever you have. If you're a creative, we've got a spot for you in our heart, and we've got a spot for you in our in our brigade. Um, and you know, we've turned into this thing, guys, where we're not, we, our audience members, they don't even call themselves fans or audience members. They call themselves members, right? They're, they're members of the yeah, industry. Yeah, but listen to we me. We call ours well, friends. Listen to me. Your show is not that good. No. Because, <laughs> no, you have never had me on. Well, Ron, you you, all you have to do is say the word. Are you kidding me? 
You have brain dead Jimmy on who's boring. You couldn't have me on. Now, listen, did but you you're know? not a big horror fan. Shut, shut, Even though you're you guys, horror I, 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 you guys you come on the week after next. You know how yes. many fucking horror movies I'm in? I'm in four that are coming out now in the next couple of months. I, I know. Played, I'm in them, but I don't like them. I mean, I don't watch them because I can't, I don't like it's, it's just it bothers me. How does that Let's, work? How do you be in horror movies and you don't like horror movies? Well, I was very happy to be spared at the Big Friggin' Rat. Joe Castro, who is a genius. He's very good friends with Joe well, Castro. Well, I adore Joe Castro. And there's nobody that makes ugly, disgusting fucking monsters like him. Spit coming out, blood, red eyes. You could vomit. When I went on the set and I saw that rat, I thought, Oy vey, this is going to bite me. This rat's going to take my leg off and throw me against the wall. Well, luckily... Uh, they said you can't do it because you're not insured. They found out my age, and they were afraid I'd break a hip. Actually, does he know how old? Do you know have any idea how no, old Ron up. is? Shut up! Every week you do that bullshit. I know, but he doesn't know you. He so need to know. how old do I think? Ron? I think Ron's about forty-seven. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> oh my God! You just got a friend for life. Yeah, you <laughs> that bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, 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 listen. He's you, eighty, though. Isn't shut, that cool? Why do you do that all the time? Why? Because it's amazing <laughs> listen, that you're eighty and listen, you're still working. Did you know that Richard Greco, Richard Greco, and I met peeing next to each other? It was so romantic. He, <laughs> I do he, know was, that. he was in the urinal. I was in the urinal, and I said, "Rich." Come on, our TV show. He just gave me a dirty look. <laughs> so I was propositioning him to come on the show while he was being. I never looked down to see if he had a big bird or not. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> but I should have. I bet I could have been paid just to give that information out. <laughs> but anyway, he, he's a cool guy. I like all, what's all about him. You know, we found out more things about him, of course, after he was on the show. And I just think that um, he needs to work more. And make a lot of money and 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 get back up in the spirit of things. He's doing we a love lot, him. and and you know what I love about Richard is that uh, you know he's a huge part of the indie brigade, and 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 one of the things that has been great for him, I think, as speaking as his friend, uh, he's he's really allowed the world to kind of see uh, a lot of different sides of his of his own creativity. Um, you know, he's put out a song now that I helped him get out there. We did a music video for that. That was around the time, um, that he came on your show. Um, and, uh, he paints and he's getting, and he writes and he directs and, um, you know, he's really, uh, the word he's allowing the world to see more into, uh, his world. But, but what, the one thing that he's not really recognized for is he's a good actor. He's a phenomenal actor. And he photographs well. He's got an interesting face, and and he's got good personality. Yeah. And I don't. And I think that he should be like up there with Frig Johnny Depp and that other jerk Brad Pitt. He should be up there with them. <clears throat> he is yeah, in I my agree. opinion. He, huh? is in my, he is in my opinion. Yeah, my opinion too. But he didn't get the breaks that Johnny Depp got. Did you know that Johnny? We need Depp, him to get making minute, twenty million a picture. <laughs> did, did you know that Johnny Depp does not like to study his lines? So when he gets a script, he doesn't read it. He puts an earplug in, and they feed him every line. And for that, he gets how many millions? Like twenty million a picture. Twenty million a picture to be fed lines in his fucking ear. They could stick that mic up my ass and I go on for $10,000 a film, right? 
<laughs> I mean, I don't give a shit where they put that mic. I mean, you know, it's amazing how these people just score. So hang on, go back. So you guys, first of all, Indie, Indie Brigade, it's Friday nights, right? Let's tell everybody. How do they yeah. see the Indie Brigade? We're live every Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we go through midnight. Uh, my show goes till almost 11 o'clock, and then we've got another show that comes on right after mine uh, with a gentleman hosted by a gentleman named David Lee Madison. We know. Um, so listen to this story. We got your a story show, about this. Oh, we got stories yes. for Jay. No, we got a story yeah. about this. So we were yeah. in Pennsylvania because you know we moved to to California from Doylestown, Pennsylvania, and we were at where's that town that we wanted to move to? Maybe because it has a lot of gay people. New Hope. No, 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 no. It's up in the mountains. Like we we ate at a diner and we met David Lee Madison sitting at the oh, diner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. Little I town. forgot where it was. We're the Black Bear Film Mil- Festival, Milford. Milton, Milford, Pennsylvania, and, and we, we were. Sitting at a diner eating lunch because we were looking at real estate, thinking that if we didn't move to California, maybe we were going to move to Milford. And and I looked over and this guy's like staring at me and he looked familiar, but I wasn't sure because I had never he'd been on our show a ton of times when we first started, but I didn't actually like had never met him. And I recognized him, too, and I couldn't play. And he looked at me and goes, are you Jimmy Starr? And I said, yeah. And and he says, I'm Dave Madison. I was like, oh, because the name I knew. And it was just so so like how how like unusual and wild is that that like you'd be like have no idea. And you're sitting at a diner with somebody, you know, that you actually know, but you don't know. He turned Uh, out to be a a really great guy. Nice guy guy we had a good uh afternoon with him yeah he was he was excited he thought we were moving up there he was telling us that there are so many people in film and actors that live in milford that it's a bit it's almost like a little hollywood yeah but milford gets those 20 belows and i don't do 20 belows anymore yeah no that fucking cold you can have it i mean summer's cute in the mountains, it's cool and breezy, but in the winter, it's forget about it for Eskimos. So, you guys, it's Friday night, the Indie Brigade. You want to check it out? It's fabulous. Well, it's a, a lot of fun. Interruption. Are you really putting us on next week? No, not next this week. Not next this week. Friday, next on. Friday. Book it. I yep. want to come on your show. Booked. Good. It'll be fun. I hope Joe's watching. Joe, if you're watching. Oh, Joe Castro? No, Joe Ridgely. Oh, Joe Ridgely. Yeah. I love Joe Ridgely. He's super fabulous. Okay, so let's talk a little bit. First of all... Wait, wait, one more question. Okay. So does Joe Castro make all your monsters for your movies? Not yet, but I actually am about to work with Joe for the very first time um, on a project that I am helping one of the Indie Brigade filmmakers put together. Um, we've got... Uh, this is one of the things about, about the Brigade that I love, is that... Uh, so there's so much collaboration that has born been born out of it, you know, and what I think has resonated so much with people about the Indie Brigade guys is that, you know, so many artists feel like they're out there alone. They feel like that they're they're the only people doing things because a lot of times we end up in these isolated bubbles um, uh, of of struggle and, and sort of desperation. And, you know, the Indie Brigade is a place for everybody to realize that not only are they not alone, but there's a lot of people out there like them. And um, I've been seeing a lot of collaboration start to come uh, out of the Indie Brigade, especially through our last season. We just started season five um, two Fridays ago and uh, or no, last Friday. And, um, you know, I, I think we saw a little bit of the collaboration in, in the early seasons, but nothing like what we're seeing now. We're seeing a boom of people start to reach out, start to work with each other, and most importantly, start to support and help and care about each other. I mean, there's not a day that goes by that I don't see some member of the Indie Brigade, um, you know, maybe make a comment about have, struggling with something or or trying to figure something well, out. 
and here well, comes other members of the brigade to lift them up. To help. Let's, yeah, I love let, that. Let's include Jimmy and I in that brigade. I'm in it. Uh, well, I'm not. How come you know, I, really, I really sometimes think that you're not with me. You know, I, think, I think you're a jealous fucking enemy. No, I don't put you uh, because, like, you don't really like horror. Like, these are like people. It these are, these are like diehard I, horror I people. I don't like you when I'm with you. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is we didn't set out to be horror, but I guess because of me and, and the Romero of it all, we kind of like we went de facto to horror, right? And, um, but you know, our message is not just horror limited. Um, we, we, we're genre limited and we're independent limited and we're definitely not fucking mainstream Hollywood. I can tell you that most of the shit that we give away, most of the stuff that we talk about and the knowledge that we drop, um, would probably piss off mainstream Hollywood. Now, George, George. Not that I want to jump your bones, but you have the sexiest voice. I was going to say that, too. (laughs) It's a a sexy voice. I bet you when the chicks are laying in the dark and you say, like, is it in? They get excited. (laughs) That voice is so sexy. Well, thank you very much. And, you know, there's only one there, and that'd be my wife. And I love her. I love her more than anything. So well, what does she think of your voice? She loves it. She loves so, it. Are you kidding me? I didn't even I, I didn't even agree to meet with her face to face for two years until I just used my voice to get her to marry me. <laughs> she didn't meet me until a year after we were married. See that? I don't have a good voice. I have a harsh, broken voice. But I have beauty and beauty pays. <laughs> <laughs> I like freaking like love it. Hey, you know- look, look what I married. Look, look at the gift I got. Hey, I got the brass ring. I should have choked on it but anyway that's not nice oh i'm only kidding i got the you know we're married nine years in, in october it went so on bad. my birthday we got married on my birthday so it, got, oh, it went wow. by it went by so with eggs you know it went by, <laughs> it, went by it went by so fast well, congratulations so fast. nine years that's all that's a long time and Je- and Jimmy just had his third abortion, and now he's going in to have uterus replacement. <laughs> so I have a question for you. So uh, because it used to be Romero Pictures Indie Brigade, and now I saw on the new that we put on the graphic, it says films used to be dangerous LLC. Explain that to me a little bit. Oh, it's Romero Pictures LLC. Films used to be dangerous uh, is my is my slogan. It's my tagline. My what do the kids say these days? It's my hashtag, right? Yes. Yeah. So hashtag. it's um, back in, we were talking about night of the living dead in the beginning when my dad put that out in 1968, you know, there were members. I want to say it was members of the U S Congress. And I, I said, 68 or 58, 68. 68. It was in 68. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I mean, there were members of the U S government that were making statements like George Romero is dangerous. Films like this are dangerous. Uh, filmmakers like George A. Romero should not be allowed to make films like this because he's going to destroy America and all that other stuff. So it kind of turned in the years as I kind of grew into the the legacy that he left behind and 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 grew into the fact that I am George Romero now. Uh, obviously not the George Romero, but I'm the only one we got left. So, um, you know, I realized what it meant to say films used to be dangerous. And, you know, there's a weight that goes with that and a responsibility that I believe that goes with that in terms of um, carrying on the next hundred years of my family name uh, with the true spirit and intention of what I believe that my father and his partners uh, set out with back so many years ago, more than 50 years ago now. 
But do, do you feel that there's too much machine gunning going on in films that young kids have the desire to see what that feels like to mow down 30, 40 people? I say to Jimmy, there are more bullets shot in film than than, than semen. You know, I mean, <laughs> we, we need more semen shooting, less bullets. I don't know about that. You know, I mean, like, dude, back, I remember in the 80s when people used to say it was heavy metal music that was making people do crazy shit. And then it was Dungeons and Dragons that was making people do crazy shit. And now, and then it was horror movies. And now it's action movies. And I don't know. When I was growing up, we would watch all that stuff. And it was like, it was, uh, it was an outlet. It wasn't something that we thought about, hey, I'm going to go do it. So I don't know if I if i subscribe to that i think that um when when i was growing up if they shot somebody on screen you never saw blood it wasn't allowed it was too grotesque yeah and no one no one ever got stabbed you, you saw the the knife going at the person but you never i mean hitchcock in psycho was the first one to mm -hmm. get janet lee in that chick, 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 yep. chick, chick. Uh, with the, with the eek, okay hold on okay eek, and the chick chick boy was that a piece of work my turn first of all First of all, for two seconds only, we need you to take your hat and your glasses off because the girls in the chat room want to see what you like look like. They think you're hot. No, so come on now. So there we go. So ten, now take now pull the glasses take off real glasses. quick. Oh, we you should other people. We tell them to take their shirts off, fucking yeah. drop their drawers. Now, <laughs> now wait a minute. Now wait a minute. There we go. Wait, now say in that sexy voice, spread them, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? All the women are out with their vibrators right now. <laughs> There's going to be a blackout. Move. My hat looks crooked. I don't understand. No, no, it looks good. There's going to be a blackout from their vibrators. <laughs> I love it. So then the next thing I want to say is, okay, so trip. Many, many years ago, I um, I was at Scream Fest. I used to live in Florida. I actually had the privilege of meeting your father. He was he was very charismatic, very nice, very cool to like his like fans, son, just like, like you. That's, what, like well, that's you. where I was going, well, too is bad. that you I have a lot first. of the same characteristics as your father i think you're very warm and, and and genuine you know so when i think when people are talking to you you show a general interest in whatever it is that they're doing it comes across as as real and i think that um that is probably something that's going to always help you in everything that you're doing but i think it's also very cool to to come from the legacy that you come from and you're not a dick <laughs> oh, thanks i just i care about I, I i care about everybody i really do now are you related to caesar romero you know, my uh, there was somebody in my family who used to say that we were, but uh, as far as I know, we're not. How about Jose Romero? Mm. Jose Romero was my father's friend. He made many movies in the 1940s. He was the first, I believe he was either Mexican or Cuban. I'm not sure what he was. But he was, I think he was Mexican because he sang... With, with with hat big mexican hats and he was his jose romero was very famous in the 1940s uh good looking guy too then came jesse arnez and and romero sort of got kicked out yeah i i don't think i'm related to uh, him either well romero is a, is a pretty popular name yeah we're span we we we're spanish um although recently somebody said that we were puerto rican but not there's anything wrong with that but we're not we're spanish i love puerto uh, ricans and, puerto Rican's uh, my favorite. yeah absolutely but uh we're spanish and uh and then my dad's parents uh went over to cuba and then got out from under uh castro right castro and puerto i grew up with puerto ricans i yep. went out with i went out with a beautiful green-eyed puerto rican girl gloria uh, herman hermandez and her family 
they didn't want me because I was white or whatever. They thought I was Christian. What the fuck is the difference? From, <laughs> from Puerto Ricans to Italians. I don't know what the difference is. So she used to lie to them all the time. And she was up in my apartment and we were making out and her mother had to call. She had to call her mother. So she said to me, put on Spanish music. So I put on Tito Puente. <laughs> and the mother said, well, at least he likes Puerto Rican music. <laughs> That's hilarious. So we were, and then my friend Teddy Gaglias, he married Angie, and the family threw them both out. He was Greek, and the Greeks said, we don't want Puerto Rican bride, and the Puerto Ricans said, we don't want a Greek guy. That's how stupid it was back in the 60s. You talk about prejudice today. My God, we lived with such horrible prejudice back then. Uh, you, I mean, just, I mean, my sister was told you have to marry an Italian. She did. She got divorced a year later. You know, then she married a Greek guy and they were married till they died, you know, till he died. So I just hate that whole stupid mentality that was years ago. So let's go back, though. I want to go back to <clears throat> to the Indy Brigade just for a minute. And I want you to tell people about the facility. So you're in well, Virginia or West Virginia or someplace. Where are you? I'm in Kentucky. Kentucky. Okay. Oh, my dad's from Bowling Green. Nice. I was born in Pittsburgh. I was raised between Pittsburgh and L.A. I lived in L.A. for 15 years and then I left L.A. and uh, it was probably one of the, the best things for my fucking spirit I could have ever done. And, uh, and now I live in Kentucky with my beautiful Kentucky's beautiful rolling Hills yep. and the real, and the real estate used to be very, very soft. Now I bet it went up. Not a ton. Yeah. But you, I but heard you could buy a gorgeous for three fifty You can get a mansion. Yeah. Yeah. In, in 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 LA for three fifty, you get an outhouse, like a mobile home, <laughs> um, no, an outhouse. <laughs> yes. So so hold on, I want to tell, I want you to tell people because like you're 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 building something very cool. What is he? Building? And um, uh, hang on, I'm trying to get rid of this. And tell tell everybody a little bit about it because I know the Indie Brigade is a big part of it about the facility that you're trying to build and what you're trying to do for the veterans and everything. Well, the veterans compound is something I've I've worked a lot with veterans for um. Oh God, maybe almost 15 years um, now over, over a decade. So somewhere between 10 and 15 years. Uh, when I was young and I was rebelling, I tried to join the Marines several times and uh, came back 4F all, all three times. And uh, that kind of, kind of set me off in this kind of pissed off youth kind of outlaw thing. And uh, anyway, over my life, I ended up realizing that most of the people who ever, most of the strangers who ever helped me out of jams, most of the people who were ever there for me, uh, were veterans. <clears throat> and, uh, I started as I, as I developed my own experience in life and in this business, I started, um, a lot of my vet friends would call me and, and ask me to just listen to them. And, and it started like that. And it started with a one-on-one -on -one type thing. And, and a lot of veterans would start to call me and talk about some of their experiences and shit they were going through. And I, one day I suggested to one of them, I said, why don't you write? Why don't you write something down? And he said, well, well I don't know how to write. And I said, well, yes, you do. It's simple. And, and you just have to, you know, and anyway, we started talking and he ended up writing a short story about his experiences when he was on deployment. And um, he called me up uh, about a month later. Uh, and I'm I'm skipping some of the details very deliberately because they're they're private details to to this particular veteran. But he was in a very bad way when he started writing, and he called me up and and asked me to read what he had written and told me that he hadn't had uh, one of these bad episodes in a, since he started writing. And so I started awesome. to develop a theory 
that, um, you know, because our veterans, when they get out of, of the military, they go through these demeaning sort of re-entry classes, like a lot of our veterans are taught. Uh, they, they're made to go through classes to, to be taught how to grocery shop again and, and things like that, which they don't need, right? And, and a lot of times what that does is that that makes them feel even worse um, than they already feel coming home. And so what the Veterans Compound basically became um, is an effort of mine to essentially help our veterans uh, process a lot of their experiences through the creative arts, the visual arts, uh, writing, whether it be music, whether it literally be cooking um, or, or anything that is a visual creative sort of expression. But beyond that, um, the veterans compound proper uh, actually teaches the technology of filmmaking as well. So we teach everything from screenwriting excuse me, screenwriting to grip and electric to camera operation, cinematography. Uh, and um, I've been doing this one-on-one for a very long time now. And so I've just decided to s- sort of formally, you know, start formalizing it. And my goal is to open a brick and mortar facility here um, in right outside Lexington, Kentucky. Wait, 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 my interruption. A brick and what? Brick, brick and, mortar. and mortar, you know, like a like an actual, actual physical place. What is that okay. called? Brick and mortar, like an actual building where. Oh, you because like, I didn't know. It. Maybe people out there didn't know what he meant. Yeah, either. brick and mortar is like a an actual. A brick and mortar building. means a health place. A, no, an actual building. An yeah, actual you know, like in a world where everything's online now and people. Okay. Can, okay. Stuff, okay. Good. Like we're gonna yeah. actually build an actual proper facility, uh, right. and the, the nice thing about it is that the goal for this for this place is to take in a couple of classes of veterans a year teach them the art of filmmaking, teach them the, the, the technology of filmmaking, and then actually produce a film with all of them on which they will get paid, uh, you know, um, they'll get paid competitive industry rates to work on the film. Uh, they'll gain hours toward union membership, and they will all be given a piece of ownership. of. The That's film. absolutely terrific that you're doing that. Our very dear, 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 dear best friends, Andy uh, Gladstein, he uh, is the founder of... Pets for Vets. No, no. Dogs for Our Brave. Oh, for pet, I like Pets for Vets better. But anyway, Dogs for Our Brave. And Jimmy and I support that. And we do a lot of work with them because uh, people that are uh, vets that are handicapped, blind, crippled, whatever, disorder. these dogs are trained to do the tasks that they would be doing if they mm-hmm. weren't impaired. Mm-hmm. So it's a wonderful organization. Jimmy and I support the vets. We support the police department. We support uh, law and order. We support um, everything. I think it's a fabulous thing that you're doing. Everybody should yeah. know about it. And also, I think uh, so. Wait, what are your the websites? RomeroPictures.com, where people can find out more about Indie Brigade and everything. Oh yeah, they can find out everything that I'm doing at RomeroPictures.com. Not okay, everything. Now, what, not what, stuff what, I do when the lights are off. But what's your yeah. next, <laughs> what's your next movie? Uh, well, actually, my next movie is now actually a comic book. Um, because, uh, earlier this year I formed a formal partnership with heavy metal magazine, which awesome. uh, That's is so one, awesome. of the, one of the most amazing and fun and, and honorable things of my entire career. And, um, I've got this project that you can see over my shoulder called the rise that, um, is sort of my, it's a, it's like a prologue. It's a, it's a pretty epic story that takes place during the sixties, uh, before any of my dad's early work like night. And um, and so we are turning it into I've had the honor and the privilege to learn how to write comic books from Mr. David Irwin and Mr. Joseph Illich, two of my comic book world idols. And we are telling the story as a comic book first uh, with Heavy Metal Magazine, the first issue of which comes out 
the first the first installment of the rise comes out in October uh, inside the pages of Heavy Metal magazine. That is so uh, freaking awesome. Did you know that Jim, Jimmy and I are in a comic book? I did not know that actually. Yeah, it's out. Yeah. Celebrity Ghost Hunters. Cele- Celebrity Ghost Hunters. And the first page you open it up, it's Eileen Shapiro. You know, she's got these gigantic 79Z bra tits. I mean, tits, she got tits. Her tits turn a corner before she does. I mean, you see, <laughs> no, really, you see her tits coming and then she follows. Anyway, she was climbing over a, a six foot wire fence and her tits got caught on one side. And she's screaming to me, Ron, lift my tits up. They're caught on the fence. I was peeing myself laughing. I couldn't <laughs> stop. She's cursing me out. Well, don't you think they put that in the comic book? Of course they did. It's hilarious. It's so much and fun. And it's so fun when I read the comic. I, I was like saying, oh, my God, look. And there I, I mean, I couldn't move. When I saw those torpedoes hanging on one side of the fence and her on the other, I'm going to cry now from laughter. You, if you were there, you would have you would have burst a vessel. It was it, you could. The video got three hundred thousand plays. I mean, on YouTube. you can't you can't even stage such a thing. It was so perfect. <laughs> I mean, talk about tits for days. So Poor also, he, oh, is he, Eileen still in the he, chat room? Yes, she, I think she's in the chat room. Also, there's a guy named Lance Wagner. Say hi to Lance Wagner because I I think he's here Lance, because of you. Lance, what's up? Are you here? Let me scroll. Yeah, he's cool. Thing. This is he's the very same cool. software we used to do the Indie Brigade. So I when I realized that, I'm just going to scroll here. Lance, there I love you, you man. Lance is a brother. Lance is a co-host with his amazingly beautiful wife, Samantha Wagner. Oh, they've she's in there, too. Yeah, yeah, they've got a show on the Indie Brigade Network called uh, The Wagner Wiles. There uh, you go. You know what? If you, if you really want to spend a, a, a good, wholesome, clean couple of hours on a Sunday night with a beautiful couple, uh, tune into The Wagner Wiles. Um, clean and wholesome. So and he's we're, had. We're on Twitch now, too. So oh, we're on Twitch too. Actually, we're on Twitch right now. And, yeah, and, and, and Twitter. We're on and Twitter. I'm here, I'm here with my is my mic. Did my mic? Here we are. We're back on. Uh, I'm here with my handsome husband Jimmy. So there you go. But our show is not clean. So hold on. He's got you know he's got a bragging right. I mean he's got lots of bragging rights over us. But he's got one bragging right. You're going to be jealous of what he has had on the Indie Brigade. He had um. Not Patty LaBelle. No, he had no because he doesn't do music. He had Sam Jones. Sam Jones, good old. He fucking loves Sam Jones. I I love Sam. He's Flash Gordon. He'll always be my Flash Gordon. Buster, I'm, I'm a Flash Gordon freak. When I was a little boy, we played Flash Gordon. And if the kids didn't let me be Flash Gordon, I beat the shit out of them. I used to punch. No, I did. I beat them up. I said, "No, I have to be Flash Gordon, or we don't play." That's how serious I was. You know when he. Sam came out with Flash Gordon, and he's my hero. We're going to get him on the show. He'll come on. Yeah, when he came on our show, he had um, he was actually on David Madison's show, The End of the Night, and he did his show in front of his very own Flash Gordon pinball machine. How fucking cool is that? That is very cool. Anyway, he's a cool guy, I understand. So we, I, I, we, He was in Florida, remember when he was in Florida? And a bunch of people were hanging out with him, and they all said he was a cool guy. Oh, uh, he's cool. Really nice. So we, I, I, there's a guy who has a house here who collects, like, movie memorabilia. Um, I don't even know where it is. I had to, like, go in, and I wasn't allowed to take pictures or anything. But he has the original Stratocaster uh, like from the nineteen no Stratosled Stratosled from the nineteen what year was that nineteen thirty six like the nineteen thirty six Flash Bust, Gordon Buster, Buster he has actual Star Wars like actual ones used in the movie and Terminator and all these like cool I things know it was the coolest thing ever Flash Gordon nineteen thirties film 
uh, Charles Middleton played Ming, Emperor Ming, and he was really wicked uh, and evil looking. It was a wonderful piece of work, of course, corny, as we look at it now. He also but- had he also had Dylan Sprouse, which won't mean anything to you, but it'll probably mean people to people in the chat room because he's like he's like a Riverdale. He's like the star of Riverdale, and he's like the coolest fucking guy ever. Yeah, he's um, cool. He's got a comic with uh, heavy metal called Sun Eater, and uh, it's a great comic. And he was uh, he came on the show with Brendan Columbus, um, who also has a comic with heavy metal. So. Uh, He's got like millions and, of followers. And when Jimmy first met me and he found out I was a Flash Gordon freak, he had his, because Jimmy had a clothing line, he had his company manufacture the only one, an original Flash Gordon uh, shirt that I have with Flash Gordon across it. And it's a one of a kind. And I never wear it because I don't want it to wear out. I only wear it for special yeah, occasions. It's a Flash Gordon one so and a Howdy a Doody one. So when we come on your show, I'm going to wear my Flash Gordon. <laughs> That's a very big thing for me now. you got to say, like, oh, my God, Ron, how honored I am that you're wearing your Flash Gordon <laughs> shirt on, on, on my show that was not good until you came on. <laughs> so let's okay so let's talk horror movies a little and you can't pick your dad's movies and you can't pick your own movies. What are some of the, like the iconic horror movies for you? Um, that you think, oh my god, these are like my favorite horror movies. Clown Fear, The Big Friggin' Rat, and, <laughs> and Croker. Yeah, those are Ron's. So it's funny, a lot of people try to get me to, to say my favorite horror film, and you know, it's funny, I actually never did up until earlier this year in quarantine, I did one of these Comic-Cons, these online Comic-Cons, and uh, and I, I, I announced my favorite horror film actually of all time uh, is, is the original Alien Oh, oh yeah that's yeah. a good one yeah so um i think as far yeah, as horror film know. goes it's got all the ingredients it's yeah. it's just it's 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 perfect um so lance henriksen lance henriksen is one of my favorite actors of all time he's the coolest guy uh and he makes these alien tiles um they're like they're like a big tile. I don't know, 12 by 12 tile with the alien monster. He doesn't sell them or anything, but I met him at a convention and I gave him some clothes and we ended up hanging out and going and he had been on our show. And so at the end of the weekend, he actually wrote like something like Jimmy star, you're a cool fucker and signed it and gave me this alien tile. It's like my, that and my Clive Barker book that he drew a special drawing in for me are like my two prized possessions. And I have the pink pig from Star three. And I have the Buster Crab flash Gordon doll with the Stratus sled and the space gun and all that jazz and and never been opened and i look at i know it i fucking paid a fortune for that well, <laughs> well you know what i'm 80 years old so when i croak in a couple of years he could sell it Fuck no me. aliens are good though that's a good movie i mean and no but people haven't usually picked it like i'm a big lost boys fan i love the lost boys so i was friends with everybody in it so i'm a big lost boys fan um Absolutely. i like but you know what i gotta i'm gonna cut you off because over the lost boys i like near dark Oh, way better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like the Lost Boys because I know the people in it, but Near Dark is the fucking best vampire movie ever made. Ever. 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 No, ever. I, don't think- I, have, it, I have a copy of it signed by Lance Henriksen in my like collection. The, the best vampire movie ever made was Bella Lugosi. Uh All right. Corny as it was. Um, I remember being with my cousin Bertha about 10 years old. And we went to a movie theater called The Dump in Astoria, Queens, and we were kids. And they played this rerun of a 30-year-old movie. We were terrified. That Bella Lugosi in that castle with the dust and the bats and the women walking around in chiffon, eerie, spooky, and wonderful. They tried so hard to reproduce that with Christopher Lee. 
quick Christopher Lee story. I met him at a cocktail party at Shelby Goodman's house. And I said to him, Christopher, I loved all your work. You're the best vampire ever. And he looked at me arrogantly and said, I've played more than a vampire. <laughs> and he turned his back. So I said, oh, fuck you. you know, <laughs> stupid son of a bitch. Nobody knows you by any other thing but, but the vampire, you moron. <laughs> And I found out that his wife was with him wearing a cape to the floor and they do three ways. So I said, you know what? They're trash. And I walked away. <laughs> that they do three ways. See, this is no, why I right. love you, Ron. No, <laughs> somebody said that he and his wife do three ways. I swear to God. Because I complained about how rude he was. They said, don't let it bother you. They do three ways. I thought, <laughs> okay. You know, one thing I think that's cool about you, too, is that you actually had to work your way up in the film world. Even though you're a Romero, you didn't like get a free pass. No, no one gets a free pass. Also, I think nowadays they do. I don't think they well, did maybe, back then. Maybe if your father or mother is a very important actor. But I, although Angelina Jolie did not get a free pass because of John Voight, John did everything he could to stop her from being in the business. And but I, I noticed, though, that you were like a P.A. On, on some good films, though. Ransom Roadhouse is one of my favorite fucking movies, dude. Yeah. Like I, I know every yeah. line in it. I love it. The yeah. Burbs, which is also a great movie. Uh, Monkey Shine, you know, and then I think probably my favorite movie of yours. I mean, I've seen Staunton Hill a bunch of times. Thank you. Um, um, so I like that a lot. And then you did a movie recently, which I think you're the executive producer of Killing Winston Jones with a fucking huge cast. Yeah, it's a pretty huge cast. I uh, that's a that's a long story, but uh, it turned out to be a really great film. So I hope that that one gets out there and gets uh, gets the recognition that I think it needs. Listen to these people, you guys, just so you know, because we know several of these people: Richard Dreyfus, Danny Masterson, uh, Tyler Labine, which I'm actually like trying to get him for another film I'm doing right now. John Heater, 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 I don't know. Napoleon Dynamite, Jolie Fisher, who was on our show, Danny Glover, we met at a convention. Lynn Shea's been on our show. I mean, that's an A-list, big-ass, fucking awesome cast. Yeah, a good friend of mine, Albert Sandoval, actually produced and directed that, and uh, he did a great job. He pulled something really special together on that. So. And you've done a lot of work with Tom Sizemore, which we met at an Oscar party two years ago. Love Tom. Love Tom. We do, too. Yeah. And Tony Todd. And we've had Tony Todd on the Tony show. Ron is, loves Tony I Todd. I love Tony Todd. <laughs> I sat next to him, and um, I had something stuck in my tooth, so I kept doing to get the whatever the fuck it was stuck in my tooth. And Tony turned around, and he said, would you use a fucking toothpick or do something, <laughs> but stop sucking on that tooth. You're making me crazy. So I looked at him. I said, fuck you. Don't you ever have, have things stuck in your tooth? He said, yeah, it's terrible. You feel like the whole body is off center. I said, he's a sweetie. I love Tony Todd. We yeah. had more fun together. He, yeah. he thought I was totally insane. He just couldn't. No, he couldn't stop laughing. He, he, especially when I talked about black men having big wangs, he just couldn't deal with it. <laughs> He was wild. He was so. It always has to go to sex. No, we had fun. No, I said to him, I said, but the ladies like it. You hung like what? 11, 12, 14. And he started to laugh. He was a sport. I mean, a good guy. And he said, it's not true about all black men. I said, oh, are you one of those sixes? He said, no. <laughs> you know, you can't open those doors with me. I go right in. But I love Tony Todd. He is absolutely good actor, too. Yeah. 
phenomenal actor, phenomenal okay, actor. and a nice man. So let's say you could have directed any film, not your father's. You can never pick your father's or your own films in any in any question that I ask. But like if you could have been the director or written any horror film, any film, it doesn't even have to be horror, any film in history, what film would you have liked to like written and directed? Man, congratulations. That's one I don't think I've ever I've ever gotten. That's a tricky one. Um you know, that's tricky. That's tricky to tricker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you know, here's what I, I kind of, here's how I feel about that. Right. I feel like if a movie is good enough for me to have that thought, then there's no way I could fucking outdo whoever did it. So I never thought about things like that, but I guess if I, if I had to pick something, I mean, Oh geez, I, I don't even, um, whatever comes into your head first. Fuck. Uh, Fuck, that was a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a really good question. I don't know. that you. I don't know. I never thought about it like that. A lot of times we have actors on, so then I ask them, you know, what movie would you have liked to have been in if you were an actor? Any movie in history that's ever been made, what movie would you think it would be a great to have been in? I always ask them, and then I always ask them, and who, who is your bucket list of two people, a male and female, that you would love to work with? you know, in a movie, but since you're not really an actor and you're the director and the writer, I'll tell uh, you, here you go. How about buried? What was that one with Ryan Reynolds buried where it was in the coffin? I, I, I think oh, fucking good movie. I think I could have shot that a little Which bit. One was that? It's called buried where Ryan Reynolds is buried under the ground. I didn't. Oh, I saw that. That yeah. was good. That I think was I a good movie. I, 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 Very I, I, good. And movie. then there was one called uh, what was it? The one with the people in the elevator that I actually was talking. Love that movie. So I'm, I was talking to, with the devil in the elevator. Yeah, I love it. Love it. He was talking movie. to me about doing that one, and they, and they went a different route with it. But, See, those uh, are not really killer blood or sh- blow them up movies. Those are more suspenseful thrillers. That's what yeah. Ron likes. I like them. Now, what did you think of the most horrific piece of shit ever made in the world? And the people that did it should have been shot at dawn. The caterpillar thing. Oh, human centipede. <laughs> he thinks that's. Oh, I, you ever. know, I think it was uh, honestly. If you want my true opinion, I, I think it was in bad taste. So bad taste yeah. isn't the fucking word. It's disgusting. <laughs> but, I loved know. it. It was horrific. It was demented. It was weird. I had the whole cast and the director on the show before I was with Ron. <laughs> Good thing because if they were on with me, they would have been very unhappy people. <laughs> they wouldn't see Ron Russell's very nice. I would never be in that film. I don't give a shit if they well, maybe for a million bucks. Did you see Ready or Not? I did. That movie was fun. That was good, right? Yeah. It's on HBO. Now, that's the movie where the girl gets married and then they pick out the game card and it ends up that she has to play oh, hide and seek. That was a good yeah, movie. Yeah, but you know what? That's a That was a takeoff. That was stolen from Cornell Wilde back in 1948. He made a movie where a multimillionaire kidnapped him, brought him to the island and sent him out naked to be hunted. And they all went out hunting Cornell Wilde, and it was called The Naked Truth or The Naked Runner. I think the film was called The Naked Runner. And it was back then a sensational film because we had, again, never seen anything quite like it. And it was very, very uh, frightening that they were going to kill Cornell Wilde, who didn't have any weapons. But in the end, he screwed them and, and you know, got away with it. I loved Ready or Not. I thought it was freaking awesome. I also liked the. I think it was called The Hunt, maybe. I haven't seen that one yet. That one's a good one. Okay, let's talk about the best scary black and white movie ever made, The Haunting of Hill House. Okay. Did you ever see it? Yeah. Was it not fabulous? It was amazing. 
when they were banging on the door, it was rubber. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> I was shitting. I got so scared. It was spooky. It was spooky. And then when she's downstairs spinning around the statues, and that music, beautifully done. Really eerie, really scary. And the end when she crashes in the tree and she speaks. And now I'm home. Yep. It was really a wonderful film. The Hunt, The Haunting, Black and White. I've the seen book, it. The book, The Haunting of Hill House. What about, uh, did you know Bill Heinzman? Uh, did I know Bill Heinzman? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I did. Uh, uh, just a little bit. Um, not as well as a lot of other people, but he was probably one of the nicest men you've ever met. He truly. certainly is. He's a gent. He was. Oh, yeah. um, now he was fabulous. I actually uh uh like whenever I go to like those conventions a lot of time they have me judge shit. Mm-hmm. And uh and I actually sat next to him judging like a, a Halloween contest for like two hours. So like we had a really good time talk. I had known him for years, but I didn't really know him, but that's the first time I'd ever sat and just sat with him when nobody was bothering us. Um and it was really like cool and and I bring it up too just because like, you know, he's got his he's got a Night of the Living Dead action figure. Mm-hmm. Which is a freaking? Do you collect action figures? I used to. I used to. I uh, when I was um, going back and forth, I had a studio in Pennsylvania, and a lot of my stuff actually. I, I went out to L.A. for a business trip, and I came back, and a lot of my stuff was gone. So I just never put the stolen. Stolen. Yeah, I just never put the effort back into getting a new collection. Did you ever find out who? Do you have one it? of Wait, yourself? Sure Do you ever find out who stole it? Mm, well, no. Do you have an idea? Just sus- suspect them? Mm, no. I mean, <laughs> Oh, Jimmy it's either a no Jimmy, or I would have had Jimmy, a fucking Jimmy heart attack. Jimmy would have gone with ten machine guns and shot everybody. <laughs> That's yeah, my favorite well. thing. Is my thing. Do you have? Is there a George George C Romero action figure? No, but we should start that hashtag. No, we should start that hashtag because I collect I collect uh, uh, action figures of everybody who comes on the show if they have one. Like two weeks ago, we had on. Um, Oh, uh, now shit, I forgot his name already. Yeah, but then, you know no, what? Wait, 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 let me finish. We had the drummer from Def Leppard, Rick Allen. Okay. And then I went and bought his action figure on eBay, like after he came on. And I'm sending awesome. him one of them. Now, somebody contacted us for permission. They wanted to make dolls of Jimmy and I. And I said, no, permission not granted. I believe in voodoo. And I believe that that, that doll, people will stick needles in it and kill me or make me sick. So <laughs> I said, no, I don't need it. What the fuck you want a doll of me for? What do you I want to, one. What, yeah, but let them stick needles in you. Oh, yeah, well, actually, the chat room loves it. George Romero pop figure, Funko Pop George Romero. We need to get that going. Let's start that hashtag. Did that broad ever make those dolls of us? Oh, I don't know. I hope not. She was supposed to send us a stereo. What was it called? It's not a stereotype. What do they call that? Prototype. Prototype. Proto- prototype. <laughs> I said, no, you don't have permission to use my image. I don't want people. That's hilarious. So here's what involved. we're going to do, because our next guest is, is getting ready to show up. Yeah. Um, so you guys, first of all, this is George Romero. So the website is RomeroPictures.com. Um, you can watch the Indie Brigade Friday nights from uh, 6 to oh, six to, oh, I don't know. It's it's oh, 9 Eastern yeah, time. 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. Pacific time. Uh, we're on YouTube. We're on we're on YouTube at youtube.com uh, forward slash indie underscore brigade. Uh, we're on Facebook. We speak the Facebook language really well, and we're just now moving over to Twitch. So we've got links everywhere, uh, but you can find your way to us everywhere at RomeroPictures.com. And uh, you also can follow him on Twitter. He's I am George Romero on Twitter. Yep. And uh and what are you on um what are you on Instagram? I have no idea. I think it's George 
I don't fucking know. I don't know. Just type in George Romero and it'll come up. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I'm glad that we I'm glad that we met. You're a nice guy. You're real. You're down to earth. The kind of people I like. No fanfare. No phony shit. I hate no, people like that. There's no fucking time for phony shit. Who, who they think who the fuck they are because they they're on television like Jimmy Starr. But yeah. anyway. So yeah, right. Well, listen, you guys are coming on next Friday, not this Friday. Next, next Friday. Friday. We got a yeah. date, baby. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. We look forward to it, everybody. This is George Romero. Um, thank you so much for coming on. It's it's such a pleasure having you on, and hopefully we'll get lots of views and 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 send some traffic your way for your show too. Absolutely, thank you guys. It's been a real pleasure. Really nice to meet Alrighty. you. Have a great weekend. Stay safe, baby. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. All right, everybody. Real quick, you can listen to the Jimmy Star Show live. Every week on W4CY Radio, that's our home station. We're also on K4HD Radio in Los Angeles, Jackalope Radio in Kansas City. We're on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Audio Boom, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spreaker, Apple TV, Podbean, Spotify, and Pandora. We're also on a bunch more, but those are the biggest ones. Um, on television, you can see us on Comcast, Roku, Vimeo, YouTube, and JSW Television on JimmyStarsWorld.com. Ugh. And chat room, thanks for all the comments and everything, you guys. He, Oh, yeah, and he says it's George Cameron underscore Romero on Instagram, you guys. So that's fabulous. Thanks, uh, chat room. All is good. Let's bring in our next guest. Go ahead, Rebel. Let him in. Like a lion. Hey, how you doing, guys? Hey, how are you? Good. I'm glad I'm not the only gray-haired guy in this thing. No, I mean, you're definitely no, but... not. Now, do you have long hair and it's in a ponytail, or did you cut it all off? Yeah, yeah I thought so. Okay. I look like one and, of the ponies. Another, another one with a beard. I swear to Christ, you all look like the Smith brothers. Remember the Smith <laughs> brothers? The cough drops. You don't know the Smith brothers. You're too young. There was a, there were cough drops years ago that had two brothers on with beards, and it was uh, called the Smith brothers cough drops. So yeah, oh, I'm, going for the, I'm going for the founding fathers look, you know. What is that? Hey, I'm going for the founding fathers look. <laughs> Hold on, let me do let me do an actual uh let me do an actual uh introduction uh for the whole thing and then we'll get going. All right, everybody. Now we want to welcome to the Jimmy Star show with Ron Russell, iconic and legendary musician Kenny Lee Lewis from the Steve Miller band. Hello and welcome to the show. How you doing, guys? Fantastic. Good, good, good. good. So this is my cool outrageous co-host, Mr. Ron Russell. How do you hey, do? Ron. Good. I'm fine. I heard that somebody said that if you had a few music lessons, you might do something good for a change. Is that true? <laughs> well, actually, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to start giving some soon. That's not- only a joke. That's a joke. It's supposed to go, ah, you're supposed to laugh. Anyway, I made that up. It's not true. Nobody said that. Anyway, I like your music. You know, well, thank you. Um, uh, yeah. And I like the fact that Johnny Manta sings to it. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, you know, I basically I, I work for a very famous, you know, rock star. So I'm I've been in the band for 39 years now, but I'm still one of the new guys in the band. And Steve is, of course, the iconic uh, person who I work for. So when you say your music, you know, I sort of felt the same way because I was a fan of his way back in the 60s and 70s before I even got in the band. So I felt the same way. Absolutely. So hold on. So we have a web, uh, we have a chat room full of people, many countries, um, many countries are represented right now. So just say hi to everybody in the chat room to the world. Yeah, how you doing? And then we have a special guest. She's in Germany. Her name is B. Claudia. She's like our resident. Like she loves all the musicians that we come on and she promotes it very heavily. Her name is B. Claudia. Just say hi to B. Claudia. Hi, B. Claudia. Nice to meet you. 
There you go. That'll make her so happy. She like just freaking like loves that shit. So she's a rocker. Yes, she definitely is. And she's fabulous. So so first of all, you guys can follow Kenny Lee Lewis. He's on Twitter at Kenny Lee Lewis. Um, Are you on Instagram, too? Yes, I am. What was your Instagram? I think I'm following you, but I don't I don't know if I did or not. Instagram. Oh, Kenny Lee Lewis all the way around you guys. And his website is Kenny Lee Lewis dot com. There you go. And which, by the way, uh, you have a very cool website. Oh, thank you. It's very easy to access and look at all the different things. And there's a video of you playing guitar to with the Steve Miller band. But like it really highlights you on there that shows like how skillful you are as a guitarist. Uh, and you. I watched it like four times because I was like, this is really badass. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, that was when I was playing guitar with Steve. And uh, I've switched over to bass now in the last 10 years. But I was his guitar player for about 28 years. So now, like, how, how come you switch? Like, so you can obviously you can play both of them really well. Which one do you prefer? Well, with the Miller Band, I always wanted to play bass. And I met him when I was a studio bass player in 1981. I was doing very well in the studio scene in Los Angeles. And when uh, uh, he ended up doing some of my material and, uh, you know, asked me to join the band, I actually thought I'd be playing bass, but he said, no, 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 you play great guitar, because I played both bass and guitar in Abracadabra, and he, uh, I mean, the, the album, I should say, <clears throat> not the single, and he said, I, no, 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 I want you to play guitar, and I went like, oh, okay, and I hardly had any gear at the time, I was mostly doing studio bass work, and so I said, well, I don't have that much gear, I'm not ready to tour, he goes, don't worry about it, we'll get you the gear, and sure enough, we went to a music store in Seattle, just before we toured that year. And, man, he bought a bunch of stuff. So I had all kinds of gear. So that was fun. So he just loved my guitar playing. He wanted to make me the guitar chair, which is kind of like the boss gag seat in the band, you know, the the other guitar player, if you will. So I sort of took that seat and uh, did that, you know, you know, as you saw in that video, all the way up to about 2009. And then our bass player broke his ankle at some point, jumping off of a ladder in his backyard by accident. And That's I terrible. had terrible. And I had to go over to bass because we were in the middle of a tour. And when they heard my bass playing, he had forgotten that I was a really good bass player. There you go. He went, wow. He goes, you got to stay on bass now. And I went like, okay. They love you too. In the chat room, they love you. I got Eileen Shapiro in the chat room. Say hi to Eileen. Hi, Eileen. Nice to see you and meet you. I know I'm all night meet you. I'm not seeing you, but she and I have <laughs> met in the flesh. But we've been uh, responding for the last month. You, yes. You've never met her? Yes. Or you have met her in the flesh. Hello? No, I have not met Eileen in the flesh. Oh. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Through, you know, the internet, whatever. Through the, yeah, that's how everything is happening nowadays, through the internet. Oh, all right, I just, I need you to do we're all, we're all hungered down. What the hell? We need one more hello to Cindy Lady Lake, and then we're done with all our hellos. Cindy Lady Lake. There you go. I saw that name on, on, on one. She's of the- all over Twitter and she like promoted this very heavily all over Twitter and Facebook and everywhere. And everybody like loves it. So, so we'll wow. talk. I want to, I want to bring up a few Steve Miller things and then I want to talk about you. Cause you got a whole bunch of other stuff. You released a jazz album and stuff. So we'll talk about some of that. And, Ron, and, and Ron likes to ask, you know, personal questions. So he'll get no, into but that. I love jazz. So I could talk jazz. So do you have a favorite a jazz record too, Ron? Yeah, he's I got one. Jazz, you'd love, I'll send it to you. <laughs> so so here's here's first of all you guys so I can do some bragging. Here's some of the the people that Kenny Lee Lewis has played with besides the Steve Miller band. Uh Bonnie Ray and, and there's a million of them. I just picked out the ones I like a lot. Um Bonnie Raitt, Eddie Money, who I met, unfortunately passed away last year, Dave Mason, Billy Preston, 
Um, Brian Wilson, Steve Stills, Boz Skaggs, which I love. Peter Frampton, my very first album, Frampton Comes Alive, when I was like, when my parents bought me an album. Burton Cummings, Pat Benatar, Gary Wright, who was a guest on the show, Melissa Manchester, Mark Cohn, Beach Boys, Ringo Starr, and the Doobie Brothers. Which wow. is, I know there's a lot more, but those are the ones I like, so I picked those ones out. Okay. And, uh, and so, so first of all, do you have a favorite, a, a favorite Steve Miller band song? That, like when you get to play, is there one that's like the one that you enjoy the most? Well, obviously, as you saw on my my website, you know, playing lead guitar on Fly Like an Eagle was a big highlight for me every night on our shows when I was playing guitar with them. And it's a really interesting song because it crosses over a lot of genres. It's It's got a lot of R&B flavors, but it's also, you know, psychedelic and bluesy and, you know, all the things that I grew up with in the Bay Area and Sacramento and the Bay Area. So it's that song. And then the bass line is great, too. It's fun. I, I jam out on that. That song on bass. So that's probably my favorite song. That doesn't necessarily mean it gets the biggest response because obviously the Joker is huge. That's um, my favorite, the Joker. We were playing dominoes with Ron's daughters the other night, and uh, we were listening to Yacht Rock on. Uh, it's like a it's a station that plays all that stuff. Love that station. And uh, and that that song, the Joker came on, and when well, Ron wasn't singing it, but the three of us were singing it as we were playing dominoes because, like, for me, that's like the like the the epitome of like one of the greatest songs ever like made. I didn't well, know the so, word. I mean, the, the, your question can be answered two ways. The Joker is obviously the one that gets the biggest audience response. So that's kind of a buzz and a jazz when you're just sitting there with 30,000 people and they're all just kind of completely out of their minds. But <laughs> Fly Like an Eagle, for me as a musician, is my favorite. Okay, there you go. And Eileen sent me a text message saying that I didn't mention that you also play with Scott Page since he's a good friend of ours, but I was yeah. supposed to mention that. <laughs> Scotty Page are, are on a gig together in about 10 days in Pennsylvania. So we're going to be playing together again. Oh, yeah. I heard about that. That's fabulous. Scott is the best of the best. You got to like love it. All right. So if you guys go to KennyLeeLewis.com, he's got a, uh, a new album. Um, is it called New Vintage? Is that the name of the album? Well, it's, it's, that's the one I was talk, talking to Ron about. That's not a new album, but it is for his sale on CD Baby. I haven't really put out any new music in quite a while. That was uh, sort of a smooth jazz record that I did all instrumentally, and uh, it's it is available on CD Baby, but that's not new. I, it's been around a while, but it's a that's good okay. one. Really it's new for us because we didn't know about it. <laughs> but it's okay, and I'll send you guys a copy. I mean, you'll, you'll really you. enjoy it. It's it's, uh, it's kind of like a cross between Terry Cat of Chicago meets George Benson or something. It's I love pretty- George Benson. Now, if you put an album out, can you still make money on it because of all the pirates? No. <laughs> that was an honest answer. Well, yeah, Stevie Nicks said to to us that she's not putting out albums anymore. She's only doing concerts. Which she can't do that now. If she puts yeah, I mean, basically the recording industry in terms of making money off intellectual properties only pays if you're getting it in a movie, a TV show with a sync license, or you know, you're you're playing in, in a giant, you know, like on soup the Super Bowl and it's going through all these networks, you're getting royalties for performances. But as far as mechanical, physical sales, it's very, very light these days, and hardly anybody streams uh, a, a pay for stream. Most artists will put out their stuff pretty much for free now for you to, to listen to. So you'll come to their shows and buy a ticket and see them play it live. So yeah. there's just not a lot of money in selling the actual intellectual physical property so now with the pandemic there are no concerts so nobody's making any money at all right <laughs> that, We're that, stuck, 
And cooking. That's not, that's Gardening not and cooking. <laughs> I also am fortunate enough to have a home studio, and I actually have a client here right now that's recording. In fact, I'm taking a break from those sessions to do this interview. And oh, he is Steve McCarty, who wrote Wild Mountain Honey for Steve Miller. He's here today, and he's just cutting a bunch of new stuff, and he likes my studio, and he likes my production quality and stuff. So he's just here running the studio, so I'm actually making a little money with my studio right now. That's smart, though. That was smart to put a studio in your home, especially well, since you're like a like a lifelong musician. You know, you got to make a buck however you can today. It's not easy. Yeah, but you played. You had a you had a virtual. Now last weekend on Saturday, you had a virtual concert, right? Yes, was I was true? able to play and actually play with a live band on a really nice stage with fog and lights. It was great. So it was an interesting thing. It was a, a, a microbrewery that's in town here that built a beautiful room, beautiful big screen in the back. We put a whole art uh, display in the back of about 80 images of all the Fillmore posters and a lot of classic rock band early pictures. So it was entertaining. In addition to us playing live, we had a little multimedia show going in the back. But what was nice is that out in the patio, there was probably about 60, 70 people that were watching the show on the TV out there. And, you know, drinking great craft beer and eating great food. So we were in another room. They were out on the patio. We were only separated by a wall, but we were in compliance. And it was safe. Yeah, when it was safe and everybody got to see you play. And, and yeah. I mean, that's the future of the way things are going. Well, All this it, virtual stuff is going to be around for a while, I think. It goes well, to show people shoulder to shoulder, breathing on each other and dancing and, and writhing and all that stuff. I mean, and, and until this curve is, is brought down and there's a vaccine, we just can't have that. Right. Go ahead, Ron. Tell us what you say. No, no. I was something boring. I was going to say where there's a will, there's a way. Absolutely. You know. Well, that's the way it's coming now, anyway. So yeah. I like the whole thing. So where now? Where do you actually? Where are you actually stationed? I know you're in California someplace. Are you in L.A.? Uh, no, I'm halfway between L.A. and San Francisco in a town called San Luis Obispo. And oh, I know it well. Jane Russell yeah. lived right below you in Santa Maria. It's just yes, yeah, right in the middle. Uh, you know, we're, we're three and a half hours north of San Francisco, three and a half hours south of L.A. You know, so it's nice. I lo it's, love it up there. The, the, yes, yeah, wine it, country it, looks like it looks like Italy around here. It looks like Ireland and Italy. It's beautiful. kind of uh, we got, you know, Cal Poly University here. We got, you know, Hearst Castle. Mm -hmm. It's I used to go to lunch there with Jane Russell because Jane and I were good buddies. Oh, and, oh yeah, I'd pick her do up. Do you know who Jane Russell is? Sure. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, she was my best friend for many, many years. We were like brother and sister. Aww. And I, I would go up to her house for weekends in Santa Maria, and we would drive up to St. Louis Obispo. Yeah. And I loved it up there. And her brother lived in us, uh, not Solvang. Her brother lived on the water, on the coast. It begins with a J, I forgot. Uh, we have Morro Bay, Cambria, Cayucas. Uh, we have, you know, Oh, I forgot. Anyway, all, all her family was up there, and it was beautiful country. If we didn't have to commute to L.A. to do things, I would love to live up there because it's yeah, a better I mean, climate. Three and a half hours goes pretty quick when you're driving along the coast and looking at a beautiful. Yeah, but we do two hours to L.A. We're in Palm Springs, and Palm Springs is just too damn hot in the summer. Yeah, I used to have condos there. <laughs> too oh, it's, hot. It's, yeah, it's too way, hot. way, way freaking but hot. But I love it. Up, I love it up where you are. I understand the real estate has really skyrocketed up there. It used to be cheap living, no more. Yeah, you used to be able to buy a beach house on the beach in Cayucas, for instance, for you know about two fifty, three hundred thousand. I right. mean, even new homes—they were probably from the forties and fifties. But you wonderful. You know, 
rebuild them, but now they're like two million for those little bungalows. Yeah, that are up yeah, there. yeah. It's it's a, it's yeah, sad it's because no matter where you go now, years ago I remember when I moved to LA uh, in 1949. I was ten years, nine years old. My parents bought a house for 2,500 on Poinsettia off of Santa Monica. <laughs> oh my God, 2,500, and they had a mortgage. <laughs> yeah, I just visited, visited one of my childhood homes in Sacramento that we bought brand new, two-story home. I remember in 1960, my dad paid 13000 for it, which in those days was considered to be, you know, quite a bit of money. A lot of money. You know, when you think about it now, you can't even get a decent car for that. Right. A lot of money. The house that, that my parents bought is still there, and I bet now it goes for about a million, too. Wow. If if Actually, more if not more. So we have a, a lady in the chat room. Her name is Dawn. She's she's writing over and over. Dude, tell him I'm in Bakersfield, California, and Cayucos. Kai, How do you say that? Cayucos. Cayucos. Yeah. Cayucos is my Shangri La. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of people live over in the San Fernando Valley where I grew up, and it gets hotter than hell this time of year out there. And so all you got to do is pop over the coast range. You come down to Morro Bay, it'd be 55 degrees, foggy, and you got to put a jacket on. I know. I love it up there. I know I've over the years driven up to San Francisco so many times. And when you do the big Sur and that big, beautiful drive, yeah. Jimmy, we've got it. Maybe this weekend we'll go up. It will drive up north somewhere. I got to get out of this fucking desert. It's so ah. hot here in Palm Springs. It's like 120 freaking five I mean, degrees. And I'm so bored. With and I'm not going to be able to. I have to have a knee replacement soon, so I won't be able to make a long drive for a little bit. So yeah. we should do that. And we, we, um, tomorrow I get a cataract removed from my left eye, so I'll go up there with one eye. But, you know, <laughs> I could still enjoy the beauty with one eye. It really, the, the climate, the, the, the beauty of it all. And you know what? Once you're out of the L.A. environment, you start to meet the real people. And it's so yeah. nice to sit down and talk to real people for a change. Yeah, I love Palm Canyon, though. I love hiking up in there. That's always a fun vibe. And it's got a really nice spiritual sense to it, too. Yes, yeah, I enjoy that, that higher area that's above Palm yeah. Canyon. Is another yeah, way it's a little higher. I, I, I've hiked that. I've hiked that a few times, but um, I don't hike anymore. You know, I'm old now, eighty. He's eighty. He doesn't look <laughs> so, it, but he's eighty. So I don't hike anymore. Oh, no, I just did the math when he was talking dates. I got it. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. A lot of people can't do that, so it's fun. Okay, so you've played with like almost everybody on the planet. Is there anybody on a bucket list and you're like, okay, I play with everybody, but I haven't played with who's the with? Who's the, well, who would it be? I, I'd love to meet. I, I almost met Clapton. I was working at Guitar Center. Steve took a break for four years from 2000 2004, and I went and became a manager at the Hollywood store in um, uh, you know L.A. And uh, Clapton came in early one morning, and the track of it was so bad coming in from Santa Clarita. I missed him because he was only allowing like 10 people in the room with him, and I I missed it. There was already 10 in there. I got to watch him through the glass, but I never met Clapton. I never met Jimmy Page. I never met uh, anybody in the Stones except for Ron Wood briefly, uh, but he's not really a Rolling Stone in my and he's just kind of like a, an added guy. Like me, I'm not an added guy to the Steve Miller band. He's like an added guy to the Stone because he wasn't on the early records, you know. So you know, um, but I would love to meet, you know, you know, Mick and 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 Keith and just sit down and talk a little bit. That'd be fun. Uh, there's a couple others, but I can't remember right now. I never met Elton. That's I have two really good friends that are in his band, but I've never met Elton. That would be fun. Oh, I, well, you know I, what? You're lucky because you know Scott Page. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> I actually, uh, I actually dressed Elton John uh, one time. I used to be a celebrity clothing designer, and sure, sure. Um, I had a clothing store in Florida, a bunch of them in Florida, and Elton John we're wearing his shirts. Yeah, now. these are my one of a kind these shirts that we're vi- doing now, vintage Jimmy Star shirts, and um, <clears throat> and. Uh, <laughs> So anyway, I dressed him and then they invited us to his concert and I got to go to his dressing room and hang out with him in, for a little bit, you know, before the show. It was probably one of my highlights because for me, Elton John's one of my absolute favorites. Uh, yeah. And then in my, I had a weird clothing store because I had an, another husband who was a dick asshole. And uh, yes, he was. And uh, so we didn't let people in if they weren't really shopping. But who's the who, name the members of the Rolling Stones? Because now I can't think of his name. Who, who are not Mick Jagger and not Ron Wood? Who's the other guy? Well, there's Charlie Watts, and there was, uh, you know, um, Bill Wyman, the bass player, and Brian Jones was the leader of the band at the. Who's beginning. the guy who doesn't have the great face? Oh, that's that's Keith. That's Keith. Keith Richards, right? So Keith Richards came to the door, and because he wasn't seriously shopping and he was all fucked up, they didn't let him in. Can you believe that? So they didn't let fucking Keith Richards come in my short store to go shopping, which would have been like the greatest thing ever. Wow. Because that's what well, a, that's what an asshole fuck screw, they were. <laughs> you know what? Screw all of you. I went food shopping in West Hollywood at the food basket with Johnny Mathis. Johnny Mathis and who's the lady you like? Who's the lady I like? Patty LaBelle? No, no, no. The lady who likes my favorite singer. She's like a woman. She's an old lady with blonde oh, hair. Peggy Lee. Peggy, Peggy Lee. Lee. Peggy Lee uh, and Johnny Mathis are his two favorites. No, but Johnny and I did food shopping. He's a vegetarian, and we chatted, and we're walking around the store, and I thought to myself, you know, nobody's coming up and saying, Mr. Mathis, can I have your autograph? So when we got to the checkout, I said to the young man, I said, you know who this is? He said, no. I said, this is Johnny Mantis. He said, oh, hello, Johnny Mantis. He still didn't have a clue as to who Johnny Mantis was. So I had to tell the kid, you know who Frank Sinatra is? He said, you've heard of him. I said, well, this guy sings better than Frank Sinatra could ever want to sing. I said, he's the number one greatest singer in the world. And the kid said, oh, that's nice. He couldn't have cared less. I mean, nobody. Actually, knew. do you like Johnny Mathis? So Johnny said to me, I told you, Ron, nobody recognizes me and I love it. He said, they leave me alone for a change. I used to have a Taco Bell Chihuahua toy that used to sing, chances are. (laughs) You know, and it actually did the whole thing. And it was like. Johnny Johnny is the shyest man in the world. He's so soft and wonderful. I I love him to pieces. Wait, was it a real, like, a Taco Bell toy? Yeah, it was a Taco Bell, you know, talking Chihuahua, but it, but it, you, you'd push a button and add variable things. It would do. Chances are, chances are, was. The oh, thing. I wish you get that for you. That would be so cute. I have to I go on eBay. I'd be in storage, but I haven't seen it in a long. I'll time. go on probably, eBay though and see if you can find it. It was called the Okieto Bell Taco Bell Chihuahua. Yeah. <laughs> well, when Johnny comes to Palm Springs to perform and we go in the green room, I'm going to ask him if he has one. Wouldn't there you he, go. He may have. Johnny may have one. Um, he's he's. His, oh, they said they loved your voice too. So, do you sing? Uh, yeah, like when you play, do you voice. also sing? Because like you you threw good me for baritone, a baritone voice. Good. You talk about me? Yeah, yeah, you. No. yeah, yeah. No, I'm a lead singer. I mean, this this thing I did the other last Saturday, I was pretty much singing. Most now, of are you a singer or a screamer? And Miller 
hires us not to play the instruments so much. He can get anybody to play bass and guitar or whatever. He hires us to sing because he doesn't use any stem tracks. He doesn't use any pre-records. We sing live, and we have to sing really long, high notes and tune. And Because, you know, he's a great singer, and he, that's one of the things that he was known for on his recordings was his fantastic vocal uh, stacks. We have to replicate those live. We have to sing. So that's what I get paid for is to sing. I love it. Oh, that's so cool. They loved it in the chat room. They were like, oh, not only is he cute, he can sing. I mean, they, you got like a whole fan group here. You got uh, fanboys making well, it up. You know, so I like, love it. When I do like honorarious speeches at like USC and stuff like that for the music department, the, the kids always ask me, like, how do you get in a band? Or, how do you like get a gig like that? And I, well, how many scales do we have to practice? And what music degrees? I said, don't, don't worry, worry about any of that. Just sing. Learn how to sing. If you can sing and sing in tune, you can add another zero your paycheck there you go <laughs> it's true but singing is uh I, I spoke with who did i very famous singer oh jesus christ who was it was a friend of mine dead now um anyway when i remember i'll give you the name i forgot if it was a man or a woman and they said you're either born with a voice or you're not you cannot cultivate a voice that's called falsetta and i think it was who the hell was this have you always been a singer oh then? It yeah, was, pretty much. Was, I wasn't really a great singer until I got the Steve Miller band. Though I had record deals. I mean, I sang lead vocal on my first record deal in 78 with a band called Pieces. I sang two songs on the album. And it sounds pretty good. It's on YouTube. You can listen to them. And uh, I had to work hard punching in and working on my pitch, whatever. But when I got in the Miller band, he really got us into doing vocal warm-ups and exercises and things that that. that really taught me. And then I took lessons, too, from a guy named Ron Anderson, who was a fam famous vocal coach in L.A. And until I did all that, I was just like, OK, you know, but now, I mean, I can do it. I can I can nail this stuff, you know, which is the, the, the vocal. Workout, but the vocal once you learn your craft, you do it, you know, and you do it well. The vocalist that I couldn't remember the name was Beryl Davis. And Beryl Davis sang with Frank Sinatra in the hit parade in the 1940s and 50s. She's a legend. She has a star in Palm Springs. And yeah. Beryl, Beryl said to me, either you have a voice or you don't. You do not cultivate it. That was the question. Do you agree with that? Yes. I, some people have a gift for a lead vocal tonality that is unique unto itself. Uh, of course, you know, we can talk about tons of people, everybody from Celine Dion to Amy Winehouse, you know, have completely different styles, but they're unique. When you hear them right away, you go like, I know who that is. And Miller is one of those. You hear Steve Miller's voice, you go, I know exactly who that is. Now, if you were yes. to hear me on a recording, of course, I'm not a celebrity it, 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 on top of that, but you would probably not be able to discern me from one person from another R&B blues singer. You know, you turn on like XM radio list to Bluesville. There's all these white guys trying to impersonate the blues now, you know, <laughs> you know, they're, they're putting something into their voice and trying to sound like a black person when no really good. they don't have the, the, the instrument or the teeth or the maxillary and the, and the sinuses. They don't even have the instrument, you know, so there's no, no way you can get that tone without the instrument. So people some people are just blessed with a sound. And that is something it does come from a gift from above. It's not now, like what do you what do you think about Patty LaBelle? Oh, oh she's great. LaBelle. she kind of overdoes it, but she definitely has a good instrument. But she's a little nasal and she's a little tinny for me. I'd much rather listen to Whitney Houston, believe it or not. Well, Patty, if she doesn't go to the high C, I like it better. Sometimes she goes to a high C that really is I'm she's, gonna overdoes it. she's a it's great like a, singer. She's like a violin. A I love I love Patty LaBelle to death. 
I love and adore her. She's it's a like the difference between an alto sax and a tenor sax. Some alto sax, you just you only will listen to it a couple of tunes. Your your head's getting a drill put through it. A tenor, mm-hmm. you can listen to it all night long and foo foo, and it sounds great. Do you know Do you know Tom Claxton? Thomas Claxton? No. Okay, he's a friend of ours who's an artist, a great artist. He wrote in here that Ron Anderson is his vocals coach also. What a small oh, world. So I was yeah. just – I thought maybe you know him because he, he knows like Scott Page and Kenny Olsen and Steve Perkins right. and all those guys. Well, you got to so, remember, I moved out of L.A. 14 years ago, and I haven't looked back. So I'm not hanging with a lot of people. Oh, okay. Gotcha. What's with all you musicians? You all moved out of L.A. Back in the 60s, every musician in the world lived in L.A. I, L.A. Well, was, I was there, happening. I was there up until 14 years ago, no doubt. But, I mean, I didn't have to because I was in a band – there was a touring act where everybody in the band didn't live in L.A. I was the only guy living in L.A. And there were all the rest of them live all over the country. We just get together to do our tours. And we just kind of rehearse a little bit and sound check and we get right back into it. But we don't I, hang out together. My, my, my ex-sister-in-law, who was a big hippie drug addict, or she was a mess, she took me to a party up in Laurel Canyon to uh, uh, what the, the, the fat lady, the one that choked on the sandwich. Mama, Mama Cass. Yeah. It, was a, it was a party at Mama Cass's place up in Laurel Canyon. Yeah. And she led me around and was saying, this is so-and-so. I think there was about five of the major rock and roll groups of our day that were there. And have I remember... Seen, huh? Have and, you seen the new movie, uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with uh, Tarantino? Yes. No, but the, I mean, there wasn't the full band, but there was an, one person from each band was was there. And it was the who's who of I can't remember. I never liked that music back then. I was still Doris Day. You know, <laughs> well, that's my era. You know, that music came in. I thought it was loud and it, it didn't make sense. I liked uh, Bossa Nova, Cha Cha and Mambo. <laughs> I'm a a relic. I'm a relic. My father's. But I I did like Country Joe and the Fish, and nobody knew who Country Joe and the Fish was. Did you know Country Joe and the Fish? Sure. Sure. I I liked his music. That's like two, two or three musicians we've had in a row that knew Country Joe and the Fish. I know, but nobody ever liked him, and they said me, "You like Country Joe and the Fish?" I'd say, "Yeah." Well, they had had personality, and they were kind of kitschy, and then we kind of go back to the '30s a little bit with their style and Boney Odo, a little bit of Rudy Valley thrown in with psychedelia. It was kind of different. Yeah, I, I kind of thought it was good. So, are you married? Yes, I married to Diane Steinberg, who was Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds in the movie Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band with Frampton and the Bee Gees. She That's- played the role of Lucy in that movie. Because somebody in the chat room wrote, his wife is a superstar, so that's why I asked you if you were married. So congratulations. That's awesome. That was yeah, Sgt. Well, Pepper's. She was a singer-songwriter first. That's how I met her. and She had a couple albums out, and I played on her second album, and that's how I got into the music uh, studio uh, music scene. Met all the guys in Toto, you know, that had played on all the Boss Gags record stuff. And we started uh, doing sessions together, and they liked me, and they recommended me, so I started getting a lot of dates, which was great, and I met them through Diane's sessions. She was supposed to open for George Benson on that album, but then she got this role in this Robert Stigwood movie, and she kind of gave up her touring for that record to do the movie, which was unfortunately a bomb movie because all the other Stigwood movies were huge hits. Yeah, so all the other ones were. But the soundtrack album sold three million copies. She sang three on that album and got favorite nations equal uh, royalties to all the artists and producers. So she made some pretty good money on the soundtrack album. And then that's how we were able to buy our first house in Woodland Hills, who we bought from Mario Speedwagon's lead singer, Kevin Cronin. 
about his How cool is that? I'm, I, we're looking in uh, maybe possibly moving out of Palm Springs to Sherman Oaks or um, Van Nuys or Woodland Hills. Uh, did you see what the real estate prices are there? Yeah, it's, they're, they're, they've gone up. There's no doubt. <laughs> I mean, what you bought your house for, had you held it, you probably well, could We bought our house in the 81 from Kevin for about 240 I think. And that was considered to be pretty expensive back then. It was yeah, a beautiful well, now, house, a private now, apartment, half acre now, pool. Now it could, go any, it could go anywhere. Now it's probably a couple million. From a million five to two point three, it can go. Yeah, from and it's just they're just shitty, you know, sixties homes with composite roofs, you know. I like love it's it. That's amazing. cool though that she was in that because Sergeant Pepper's was. Uh, I don't really you remember know, the like movie, that. but I remember the album because I, I listened the, to it all I the time. The cartoon section. Oh, oh. Because uh, there was a cartoon for that, too. Yes. Yeah, but there I, was a movie. But I like the cartoon. I don't really remember it. But I did listen to the album like a lot. Many yeah. I had it. Uh, that was around well, the same time. She was the best thing in the movie. She was fantastic. She was dancing and singing. There was no dialogue. Um, thank God, because I don't think Frampton and the Bee Gees would have been able to handle dialogue. But love the Bee Gees. The Bee Gees <laughs> were one of my favorites. But but the three big hits from the movie were Got to Get You in Your Life by Earth, Wind & Fire, Come Together by Aerosmith, which brought them out of their dregs. And yes. then Billy Preston had Get Back, which got a little airplay, too. So there were three songs on that album that did pretty good on the radio. I fucking well, like Well, to show you it. how dumb I was, my very dear friend Perry Winkler, her husband was the, co- the CEO for um, Global uh, business management in Beverly Hills. They had wonderful parties with always celebrities. And I was at her party one night. And I was milling around and she said, Ron, why don't you go over and speak to those guys? They're with the electric company. Because she was a dizzy broad. And right. I said to her, what the fuck do I want to meet somebody from Lilco or electric company? And it was the guy with the big purple hat. and he oh, was, From ELO. ELO. And she was dizzier than I was because she called them the electric company. So I went over and I finally said to him, I said, wait a minute. Yes. Listen, listen, listen to what I said to him. Want to talk about dumb? I said, you know, you're really cool looking for somebody that works for the lighting company. And he just looked at me. That's he fine. couldn't figure it out. Then he started to laugh. He said, that's a joke. I said, no, what's a joke? I said, you work for like... His name is Jeff Lynn. I said, you work for Pacific Coast Lighting, right? He said, no, with the, with the light orchestra. Yeah, said, electric ELO. So I went back to Perry. I said, you know, Perry, you're one fucking dumb broad. <laughs> <laughs> well, we actually had a band out of the Bay Area in the late 60s. It was called Pacific Gas and Electric, and they actually had a hit. I mean, you never knew back then. They really had one. I mean, yeah, yeah. You, never, you really never knew back then. But right. I used to meet so many, you know, because I lived in L.A. and I hung out in the hill. I was a Gucci hippie. So, you know, I, I went to a lot of Laurel Canyon uh, parties up there, which were yeah. wild. There well, was that's a- what I'll you, Ron, if you saw that movie, uh, you know, which just won the Oscar, which is, uh, you know, what's the What's upon a time in Hollywood? Did you yeah, ever go party up? Scene, you- there's, there's a party scene in there that I think you'd enjoy looking at because it's Mama Cass and all, of, all the people, but they're actually at the Playboy Mansion. And it's really, a, it's one of those out of, you know, out of control parties. It's great. There was Again, a place up on Laurel Canyon that was a, a big barn that they used to have as a rock club. And did you ever play there? It was famous. It was called, I forgot, but it was right on Laurel Canyon. You had to drive all the way up. I think you're talking about the Topanga Corral that was on Topanga Canyon. Topanga Canyon. I'm sorry. That's right. I played the corral and that's where Canyon. The corral, the corral. That's it. We went up there to hear a group called Bones. Do you remember Bones? No, I don't remember Bones. 
they were a really good uh, group. We used to go to the corral. Then it burnt down, sadly. Well, I'm a little younger than you, Ron. I, I actually hit L.A. in 73. So all that had already happened before I even got down there. And I, no, I, no, but I, I was an old bag when I used to go to those places. I wasn't young. I already had children growing up almost. I was oh. in my 40s when I used to. I was I was a very immature person. I still am. <laughs> And I never, I never grew up. So I used to hang out with all uh, thirty-year-olds, and I was in my forties. And we went up to the corral, and yeah. I, I loved it up there. And the post office, remember the post office? I don't remember the post office. That was right on uh, Topanga Canyon. Also, it okay. was the, the old, the old post office. There was a little restaurant there, and you could go in there, and you could see that one that that killed us, that died, the one that used to scream a lot. We saw her there one time. I'm famous. Oh, my God. She's so famous. The Rose. What was her name? Oh, Beth Midler. No, not Beth Oh, Midler. you're talking about Janis real- Joplin. Janis oh, Joplin. Janis Joplin. She was there loaded out of her bird. She couldn't even lift the head up off the, the table. Yeah. And John- and she was just spinning around oh, the room. Love it. Right. And so somebody said to me, that's Janis Joplin. And I said, who's that? <laughs> well, you know, that's how informed I was. But those were the good old days. I love those uh, late 60s, early 70s. L.A. was such a happening place. You need to watch the movie. I'm telling you, you're going to like it. You know, we, saw, we saw it. He didn't. He liked parts of it, but he didn't really like it in general. Yeah. It pretty much follows L.A. pretty much true, and all the cars are correct. Oh, wait, 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 you're talking about Hollywood? The movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hollywood. Oh, that, that's a piece of shit. He didn't like the movie. Oh, no, that was a lie. <laughs> Rock Hudson did not have a black love. No, that's not. No, that's no, that's Hollywood. That's a different one. That's Hollywood. This is the Brad Pitt movie we saw with Eileen when she was oh, here visiting that oh. got the Academy Award. Oh, <laughs> but he didn't really like well, it. Well, it's all about the Manson family, but you, do, no. you just put that aside. Yeah. The L.A. scene that's going on at that time is pretty well depicted in the movie. Yeah, I yes. lived, I lived, I had a ranch in Simi Valley back in the early 60s, a little place. And we used to drive up Lilac Lane. And when you drove up Lilac Lane in the Santa Susana Pass, you would pass the Manson Ranch. And right. I was there with my, my, with my drug Spawn, addict sister-in-law. Spawn movie ranch. Spawn movie ranch, exactly. And I was there with my drug addict sister-in-law and her drug addict sister, the two drug addicts. I had to peel them off the furniture, put them in the car. It was a convertible. And we drove up there. I wanted to show them the movie ranch. And some crazy guy came running down with a gun yelling, get the fuck off my property. And my sister-in-law said to me, move it. He's crazy. He's going to shoot us. And we think it was Manson. But that's what it was like. I I think it was Manson. I mean, I don't know for sure because I was driving. Well, this is what I'm saying. You're part of that that era, so that's why. Yes, he is. I loved it. I had a ball. I had a. You were there. I used to go to the baked potato and sit there with uh, what's his name, my the drummer. Who was a was a good Earl Palmer, who I loved Earl Palmer. The nice Earl Palmer. That was the first session I saw in L.A. Nicest. Oh, that's cool. I don't mean Junior. I mean the original. You know, the studio musician. Earl, Earl, Earl yeah, yeah, sweet sweetheart of a darling you, guy. You're, you're, not that, you're not. You're not that young then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he's in his sixties. When I was sixteen, and and he in you know I was at my first recording session in Hollywood. Go ahead. He was a good drummer. Then then Red Fox would come in with his a dirty mind and my drug addict sister-in-law was a platinum blonde real you know tomato looking broad and fox went over there and he stuck his tongue in her ear <laughs> ah! you got a lot uh, those were the days my friend quaaludes, yeah. quaaludes were the happening the music That's was fun. good 
people. Well, you've been around, man. It's, there's no doubt, and uh, and it's a pleasure to meet you, sir. Yeah, but now it's not like that anymore. Now it's, it's he wishes so, it was. <laughs> it's so sad. We don't have freedom. We're on lockdown. The world has gotten crazy. Back then, everybody loved everybody. The music spoke of love. It was it was a beautiful. Time. So we've got a minute. So hang on. So everybody, this is Kenny Lee Lewis. Um, he's fabulous. He's wonderful. He's a great musician. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Kenny Lee Lewis. Um, his website is KennyLeeLewis.com. He has an album called New Vintage. You should get it because, you guys, that's how he makes money. He makes money doing that. And so uh, go on his website, see everything that's going on. When the everything comes down, I'm sure you'll be able to see him playing with the Steve Miller Band once we come out of hiding. And uh, we want to thank you for coming on the show. You're a true one talent. Can I mention one more thing? I'm also a novelist. I have a book that I'm writing that I've written. It's on Amazon. It's called Skeleton Dolls, Children of the Tower. And it's kind of a Stephen King, uh, Dan Brown kind of a fantasy book. I think you'd really enjoy it. And it's been getting great reviews for the last couple of years. I have a sequel and I'm shopping right now. Oh, there is, you go. Is, is that book out yet? Yeah, it's out. You should have brought it on. You could have showed it on. the. Yeah, we would show it. We would show the cover. We'll oh, get it yeah. anyway. So, so turn it into a screenplay. Uh, it's right turn on it the front page a... of the website. <laughs> okay, it's on the front page of the website. I'm a movie producer, so turn it into a screenplay, and we'll see if we can get it made. I already got it to some people in Netflix and over at uh, um, uh, whatever the other one is, Prime, and they loved it, but they said uh, production's been cut down because of COVID, but they're, they're optioning it uh, in their minds right now. They haven't given me a check. There you they, go. There you go. Congratulations. So, uh, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. All right, everybody. That's it then. Kenny, thank you so thank much you, for coming Kenny. on. Good meeting you. Chat Keep room. Rocking. Thank you so much, chat room, for everybody for like a, uh, joining us. We had a great time today. Hope you guys did too. Thanks, Rebel. And we'll see you guys next week. Have a great weekend, Have a everybody. Great week, everybody. Bye. In the mix, yeah, we in the mix. It's another episode. Here we go, the Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell. Interviewing the hottest news that you will send to the celebrities. Make sure to subscribe so you can get notified weekly. Jimmy Star, he's the king of cool. Ron Russell, he's a gorgeous dude. Chat room is live and you would be a fool not to vibe with us at the Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell. So come watch it live on W4CY Radio. Miss some past episodes? Download on iTunes. The Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell. It's the Jimmy Star Show. Ron Russell.